All right, y'all, back in studio after an amazing event, the Autism Health Summit in San Antonio, Texas. And no, I didn't bring any cowboy boots back or anything like that, but I got some nice caps and hats and kind of fun stuff too. We'll talk about what went on there. Also, uh, let's see, in hour two, we've got Dr. Ingo Mann. We'll talk uh, biological dentistry. Your health or your disease begins in your mouth. And the dentists that know, they know, and we appreciate them. And so we're going to hit that as well. Uh, Let's see what else. The homeopathic hit of the day comes from a whale. No, I'm not kidding. Moby Dick. We're going to talk about that. Uh, What is it for? A lot of neurological issues, itching issues, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, first hour is going to be interesting because Super Don and I have been in hanging out together for a long time at a talk radio. That's our origin point, talk radio. And where we used to be, this guy that we got on, today lee habib he was there too for a while and i just kind of happened to reminisce on things when we go there but uh, i'm looking forward to having lee on the the show for the first time he's got our american stories a great podcast and we're going to talk about the the so-called conservative challengers challengers to the davos divas and more and maybe how that relates to uh What's going on over there? The Revolutionary War. Lee's got a way about him. He can he can tie those things in. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you'd like to join us, robertscottbell.com slash listen. There's a live chat room. We'll say hi. Let us know where you're watching or listening from. And on the social media platforms that we're not at least currently banned on. We love to have you on and just let us know what's going on. So here we go. The Robert Scott Bell Show is about to begin right about now. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Now, the voice of health, freedom, and liberty, here's Robert Scott Bell. Fascinating and heart-opening weekend at the Autism Health Summit. Shout out to Tracy Slepsevic and her husband, Steve, for putting on an amazing event in San Antonio. And, you know, I've been to many autism-focused events, and they can be extraordinarily heavy, as you can imagine. Those of you who have children or young adults now on that spectrum, how challenging it is just to be alive at any point in history, but to have uh, children that have a, a difficulty in terms of communication with the outside world is a lot of the the autism manifests in that way, and some of it can be dangerous as these kids get into stronger and old, you know uh, more developed ages, and they don't have that ability to communicate what what is hurting them or what they want to. Although the good news is, of course, the development of the spellers contact concepts that are allowing these kids who are largely very intelligent and they know what's going on to be able to communicate to ease that intensity and also the anger and frustration associated with that Uh, so it, it wasn't as heavy in the context of previous times where there were so many options, so many good solutions being proffered and presented there from various, uh, you know, from medical doctors, DOs, DCs, NDs, homeopaths like me. And I just really ha- had a, a great time interacting. We had a lot of great live broadcast as well as uh, recordings that, that I was able to do for future shows. And we'll talk about some of that that's coming up. The, uh, the reunions as well. If you've been on the circuit especially in the realm of the autism community. Uh, those that have been through the wars and the trenches and they're still go- they're still ongoing, 
it is it is like these are your 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 battle scarred soldiers and and for many it's been the warrior moms that have carried this forward but there are now warrior dads out there too thank god because the men really had abandoned their responsibility in protecting the family because they also turned over their family and their bodies and their family's bodies to medical science, to doctors. They deferred as many of us did growing up because, well, the 20th century was all about advances, technology, medicine, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. And to the point where we were worshipful, more worshipful of doctors than we were of that, which we should worship God. And, and because of that, we trusted the wrong people. Those people may have meant well when they went into medicine, but they have been told lies. They've been deceived. They've been programmed. And it has only been the, the crazy COVID years we've just come through that have reached into the, if there is a heart in medicine, to wake some of them up. Some of them that have actually the integrity and the conscience and, and the intent, if you will, to do no harm even if they were doing harm inadvertently. You know, people like, I uh, got to see Dr. Peter McCullough again, great guy, again, great heart, considering he's a cardiovascular guy, no pun intended, he really has that. And he's opened up as a number of docs on the circuit now have, and I'm grateful for that. And they are now open to, yeah, dare say it, a homeopath like me, talking about protocols that I have utilized to help many over 25, almost 30 years now, including children on the spectrum and their parents. And so I was able to present on that. It was fairly, I think, well-received. And more and more of them are realizing they have no earthly idea the things that I know. And I'm not speaking to brag about myself. I'm talking about people like me, people that ha have not gone to medical school, but that went into naturopathy and herbalism and homeopathy and ac acupuncture and all kinds of energetic forms of medicine that have largely been denigrated to the ash heap of history or even ignored or erased from history. As you know, some of you have been with me for a long time. My story, even going to Emory University in Atlanta, finding out after I graduated some years later that they taught homeopathy on the medical school curriculum up until 1949. And so there is a, a void, a tremendous void of, of we don't know what we don't know because we were taught it doesn't exist or it's just a bunch of bunk. Don't even pay attention to it. And you find out now the doctors realized a lot of the stuff they learned is a bunch of bunk. So anyway, the AHS conference, really great. Next year, it'll be in San Diego. Uh, look forward to, to attending again and participating any way I can do to help. Uh, Super Don has put up some uh, great photograph, a little collage of photographs we can talk about real quick. And then we'll bring up Lee Habib here in the first hour, which I'm excited to have him on the show for the first time. So yeah, there's John Hewlett who uh, uh, from Cardio Miracle. And he he presented at the lunch program all about the the, the benefits of systemic uh, sustained production of nitric oxide responsibly through nutrition, through food that can counteract the constriction of blood flow that impacts every area of the body, brain, nervous system, anything, kidneys, any organ, organ system. And once again, it's the reason why I'm kicking butt as a, I was never a kickboxer <laughs> now in my fifties, you know, hitting, doing things I couldn't do in my twenties. This is cool. There's a nice uh, reunion picture right below that on the left-hand side of Nico LaHood. Remember he was district attorney down there in San Antonio for a while. And uh, his son was uh, diagnosed in, in the autism spectrum after a, a vaccine. And there's of course, Del Bigtree from the high wire and all the, the Vax movies and things like that. And it was a great reunion. I was asking Dell, interestingly enough about how he's continuing on with with the, the great work at the high wire while he's also now communications director for Bobby Kennedy's presidential campaign. 
dude, you know, that's a, you talk about a journey, the things that you can't talk about, Bobby Kennedy likes to talk about, We're, even though it's not his main thing, like the whole vaccine thing. But Super D, the whole Israel thing, which we don't like to talk about because there's, there's <laughs> only one side or another and there's no discussion of anything in between. Right. And so it's very difficult to communicate. We're talking even about that because, look, we have a lot of different perspectives out there, some from feet on the ground and others from, you know, historical perspectives that make it a very difficult topic to speak about in polite company or impolite company. And, you know, I just kind of hats off to, uh, to Dell for taking on a, you know, you want a tough task. He he's, he's up for it, but um, there he is there. Here's what I want on you. There's, there's you with Talia Michelle and you got uh, down at the bottom there, James Lyons Weiler and, and uh, Brian Brian Hooker. Hooker. Yeah. Here's what I want to know. How is it every time you go to one of these things, there's always a picture of you being like the, uh, the, the chick magnet guy. I mean, look, <laughs> no. what, I mean, you're just no. like surrounded no. by all the women and then the supermodels and the yeah. This this is how do you pull that off? Now, for me, this is a reunion because I so appreciate the warrior moms out there, and also me, what many of them have gone through being moms of children, uh, you know, that are in the autism spectrum. So I have great compassion for them. I, I can't. I'm I'm almost like not worthy of the strength that they have exhibited in their lifetime. So for me, it's a great appreciation of them, and and I haven't seen. Uh, like Talia in years, she was, you know, dear friends with Liam and it was just such a, Oh my, I met her sister and her cousin. It was like reunion time, even with family members I had never met. And so when I'm drawn into that, I look, it was really just to balance out all my raw masculinity that I had to have that happen. Everything, there was a balance to the force in that picture. And I, you know, I brought that home. And I said, honey, did you like that picture? Cause I sent my wife a picture that picture particularly. And, and she laughed and she thought it was the greatest picture ever. I'm like, I have the best wife ever. You know, she's like, <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm like, well, why weren't you jealous? It's like, she knows me. And uh, it was just a wonderful opportunity to appreciate those amazing women that, again, hopefully inspire more warrior dads to step up and defend their families like Nico LaHood, you know, is, is speaking up about uh, for many, many years. So I don't even know what more to share about it, but I'm, my heart is happy from being it, there. It looked everybody. like it was a great event. Yeah, it, it really was. And there are more events to come. You know, we've got the Next Steps Conference coming up in March. We've got uh, the, the Warners event in March also, in, both in Atlanta area. Uh, we've got, let's see, what else? The, the Health Freedom Expo virtual coming up the 17th and 18th of this month. Uh, I'm still I'm, I'm reaching out to uh, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center about the uh, Libertarian State Convention in California because they've got Bobby Kennedy coming and Michael Bolden speaking. And I was at the 2004 convention, the only national media when I was with TRN back in the day, you know, and I was the only national media that r reported live at the Libertarian National Convention in 04 when Michael Badnari got the nod. So I'm thinking that'd be kind of fun to go back to that and see both Bobby Kennedy and Michael Bolden. So that'll right. be interesting. And we've got loads more upcoming events. Go to robertscatbell.com slash uh, whatever upcoming events tab is, but there's a, a tab at the top of the page. However you get there. It's I don't probably know. upcoming events would be my guess. That would be the, yeah, yeah. use that. Also uh, <laughs> sign up for our newsletter for free text RSB to double six, eight, double six RSB, my initials to double six, eight, double six. And that'll get you plugged into the newsletter. Super Don sending out amazing uh, information thoughts of the day. Now that we're, we're thinking of that. Oh yeah, that's good. Usually po positive and up, unpowerful and uplifting. That's where we like to go. Uh, and there's so much more to talk about, but I don't want to 
chat anymore with you, Super D. Well, I sort of do. Maybe you can oh, mention fine. about Lee because again, that name came about. I'm linking back to our TRN days. Well, I, I got to tell you, it was it was really cool as I was you know looking to see oh what's coming up next week you know because mm-hmm. Kevin, our amazing assistant producer, just you know books these amazing guests all the time, and sometimes we don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. There's just a name, mm-hmm. and we get we get them on and we kind of learn a little bit about them. They they're just rock stars, right? Yeah. Uh, so I was looking at what was coming up this week, and I I looked on Monday, and I was like. Lee Habib, huh? Now that I I did my uh, my Obi Wan Kenobi. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long, <laughs> in a time. long time. Yes, and it's true. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, you know, we got started on on TRN Talk Radio Network, and mm-hmm. uh, I got I, it, was, it was an amazing experience for me because I got to work with some of the biggest names in talk radio. One of those was Laura Ingram. Yes, and Lee Habib was was the the genius he was the man behind the curtain he was the genius for the the this you know the Laura Ingram show because you know huge show you know, now he's not talk- gonna be able to fit his head on the screen you, you oh, know no, keep talking about him like this he'll be fine he's a good guy. <laughs> so anyway I was just really excited you know I, it's been a gazillion years since I've seen her talk to him so um, he's got a, a podcast he, uh, that uh, you know my good friend Jesse uh, that I worked with on the Jerry Doyle show was yeah. was working with him on. I remember when you guys were personalities in your own right during the Jerry Doyle. Yeah, 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 we had a few experiences together. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, lots of so secrets. yeah, without further ado, anyway, he's got his own uh, his 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 podcast uh, called American Our American, Our American Stories. Stories. Yes, yeah, yeah, good stuff, and and, and uh, he's doing great work. And I'm just man, honored to have him on the show today. And uh, let's welcome Lee Habib to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate oh, it. Yeah, very cool to see you. Did, back in the day, did you have hair then? I don't remember. No, I did. I had it, and I was, I was starting to lose it. And I, I, I heard this interview with The Rock, and he was talking about he was starting to lose his hair, and he didn't want to be one of these guys putting stuff on his head or doing crazy stuff. And so one day he said, I just got ahead of it, man. I just shaved it. And I went to my, my barber shop the next day, and I went, take it off, man. I'm done. I'm All done. Right. And I'm I never looked back of that, but uh, you look good, my friend. You look good, well, uh, and it's great to have you on again. As we reminisce a little bit about those days in, in syndicated talk radio, of course, it still exists, but the online explosion of broadcast media is, is kind of shaking loose a lot of old media, including what we thought of was the innovation of talk radio, which is really pushing the frontiers of freedom of speech. But there are limitations on what can be said there, even now, as they try to control social media. Censorship is still a thing. It's actually gotten worse. Well, you know, the, the, what, what goes around comes around. There was censorship uh, when the country started, the Alien and Sedition Act. Um, and, and always people in power try to stifle dissent. Uh, and this is the struggle of the universe in the end. You've got half the world um, engaged in suppression of speech. You can live in places all around the world where you don't get to speak your mind. And then lots of places in the West uh, where you don't get to speak your mind. We're watching Dr. Jordan Peterson right now having to go through a sort of a reorientation to be able to continue to practice if he wanted to clinical psychology. I don't think that's why he's going through the orientation. I think he wants to just uh, sort of give him a little, give him a little hell. But uh, that, 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 that dynamic tension between uh, freedom and those who want to suppress it has been an ongoing narrative for, for as long as man's had a thought and a king's wanted to not let him have it. Lee, what was your, your driving into history the way you do and, and, you know, the things that you've brought it out so people don't lose it because mo- many of us had lost it. We never got it. Barely I, did I get it in public school and I can appreciate, you know, the dawning of America. We weren't taught to hate America back then. Uh, but what was it that drove you into the, the history and bringing that back out? 
you know, I read 1984 and then I really studied Orwell and he had this line where he said, all the battles of the future are fought over the past. And, 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 it, and, and, and it's just true, right? Because if you get to rewrite the story of the past, you get to win. One of the most interesting stories we've told through the years in our American stories involved a young Chinese immigrant to the United States. And he had told me about a guy named Louisa Lim, a, a journalist who had gone to China and held up the picture of Tiananmen Square. Remember tank yeah. man staring down those tanks in 1989? Mm -hmm. Well, 25 years later, on this quarter, 25th century, 25th anniversary, he thought, let me go to university in China, various universities, hold up the picture and see if anybody remembered it. Mm -hmm. And here's what he learned. 90% of them, he could tell, had no clue. They just looked like, they like, what are you showing me? Who is yeah. that? 10%, he said, seemed to recognize it, but were afraid to say so, thinking this was some kind of thought experiment from the Chinese government. And I thought, wow, this is interesting because in China, they were getting rid of the worst moments in the history of that country's life and burnishing up all the things that the, 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 the chairman, by the way, never call him president. He's chairman of the Communist Party. Uh, Xi, and he's the chairman and secretary of the of the military. He's not an elected president in the way we will elect our presidents. But then I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Um, in America, we're, we're getting rid of all the remarkable and good things that happened in our past, and we're only keeping on the hold to the bad stuff. It's China in reverse. And so for my money, when Orwell had said that, my dad was also a history teacher, and a lot of these things that are happening today have happened before. Um, I think of 1968 when I see what's happening today, but I also think of 1776 when I think of today. And you know, the remote power then was was England that we were fighting for our own self governance. Um, and there were many people inside America who were like, "Oh, you patriots, pipe down! Things are good under the king. We don't want to fight." One third of Americans in the seven in the 18th century were with the crown. One third were with the patriots. And another third were hiding under their tables, hoping mm -hmm. it would blow over. Change is hard. They, a lot of them were like, let the British tax us a little bit more. We don't mind the control. Freedom is not always what people yearn for. You have to yeah. remember this. Some people would rather trade some of their freedom for more security. Look at the Israelites. Look, if you're a Bible-believing uh, Jew or Christian or not, if you remember, the Jews escaped for the Pharaoh. And then they're out there in the wilderness, and they're like, huh. I think I want to go back. This freedom thing's overrated. I'll go back to slavery where at least I have my three meals a day. Mm -hmm. So this idea of freedom and slavery or freedom and tyranny isn't as simple as we think. Not every man yearns to be free, right? Yeah. Some people yearn to be controlled or yearn to give up some of their freedom for more stability. So as we talk to people about these things, we've got to remember that I don't know that I'd want to live in an absolutely free country with no laws and no rules, that this would be chaos and anarchy. Sure. I don't know that I'd want a French revolution every six years, but do yeah. I really want this centralized government? Well, this war that was being fought for America was, was that war. And our my favorite story of all the stories we've ever done was the war inside Ben Franklin's own house. Ben Franklin was with the Patriots. His son, William, was the royal governor of New Jersey. He was with the crown. The father said to the son, son, you're going to have to step down and join the Patriots. I won't be able to protect you. And the son said to the father, dad, if you side with the Patriots, 
you've just signed your death warrant signing the Declaration of Independence. It's a high act of treason, and I can't protect you. Dad threw his son into the Litchfield Gal, the worst prison in America, for two years. The two never spoke again, mm -hmm. ever. So when people say America's never been more divided, I'll go, eh, I think we were more divided during the Civil War. I think we were more divided in our first Civil War, which was the Revolutionary War. You know, we had families like the Franklin families throwing each other in prison because mm -hmm. the stakes were that high. Now mm -hmm. the stakes aren't quite as high. They're still high. They're still Don't high, get me wrong, yeah. But we're not killing each other in the streets. Not overtly, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But yeah, right. if we continue down this road where we no, no longer communicate with one another or teach actual history, because to your point, you know, everything old is new again. It all repeats. And especially if you can erase history, you can basically shape it and drive it back to wherever you want it to and synthesize it in a way that's not in, in favor of the freedom that we've enjoyed most most of our history, even though I acknowledge as an American, we haven't always lived up to the high ideals of those founders and the things they warned us about. But, you know, I, I opened a little bit today talking about the fact that I didn't even know the word homeopathy until I was 24 years of age, considering I went to a university that taught it on their medical school curricula up until 1949. It's like, how do they efficiently er erase and eradicate a mainstay of medicine in America throughout the 19th and early parts of the 20th century. Like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, Orwell is, and I appreciated his writings as well. It really spurred me to think deeper about it, anything and everything. And I come to find out I was lied to just about everything, particularly medicine and health. And, and that's just one area, but it's seemingly uh, kind of a universal application of how do we control humanity is we kind of conveniently erase certain parts of history and rewrite it, or we don't even have to rewrite it as long as we erase it. And then people are completely ignorant of where they came from, how we got here. And so they can be manipulated to do anything that's not even related to how we got here. There's no question. Look, and, and not knowing your own history uh, leaves you lost. In addition to maybe being brainwashed, you're also lost. You don't know yourself. You're letting someone else Tell your story. And that's so that so tragic. You know, as you were talking about the, the, the medical world, uh, we, we did a story about a guy named Dr. Ken Cooper. And he's, a, he's an interesting character because he was a NASA scientist and a NASA doctor. Mm -hmm. And he was discovering these guys who stayed in great shape, who exercised a lot, who ate simply, didn't have a lot of sugar, didn't have a lot of carbohydrates, were living these long and extended lives. And, and Dr. Cooper started the Cooper Clinic with a simple idea. Uh, maybe these pharmaceutical companies, maybe we're over-reliant on that. Maybe we're trying too hard to, 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 to move into the 21st century and have drugs and medications and doctors figure out how to extend our lives. But he had a different idea. He wanted people over 40 to start exercising and a lot more, cardio particularly, and he wanted them to eat better. He also thought being a member of a church or being in community mattered. In other words, he was looking at the whole human being and he was studying the blue zones before there were ever talk of the blue zones. Well, Dr. Dr. Cooper, who had a Harvard MD, was made fun of by the Harvard doctors. They, they couldn't believe his stories. They couldn't believe what he was talking about. But by 1989, he had 30,000 clinical patients and they were living 11 years longer than ordinary Americans with 75% reduction in cancer rates and like 80% less uh, heart attacks. Many more people dying in their sleep in their 90s. And as he said, dying well not hooked up to tubes right. and medications. 
And so it was a classic story. And by the way, he did not, he was not down on all pharma because he said, look, there are, I'm a doctor. Sometimes there are pills that can save a cancer patient. Um, and, 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 and people do have and are born with some problems. But the idea that we worship one part of exactly. our, of our yeah. medical establishment and community to the detriment of all the others was what really irritated him. Well, and uh, yeah. he's developed this gigantic, he's still alive at 93, practicing Beautiful. his form of medicine five days a week, which is let's stay out of the hospital and let's stay <laughs> and let's stay healthy. Crazy would, idea. If he's still doing interviews, I'd love to feature him on this show. That would be a great story to have on. Mark. I'll connect you two. You will love, love this guy. Oh, he is a, he's a hero of mine, actually. A that hero of mine. Absolutely fantastic. I appreciate that very much. And, you know, part of the dawning of America was, you know, to get beyond these titles of nobility. That was something that was greatly offensive to the, the people. That was like, this was about the people, not about kings and queens and emperors for the first time in recorded history as far as establishing this government. And and yet we have seen the medical profession rise to a, you know, effectively a title of nobility in our culture. We've worshipped them. And that's not right. They're, they're human beings. They're fallible. They know some stuff. They don't know a lot of other stuff. And, uh, you know, addressing humans as humans as opposed to elevated, exalted status and monopoly status. Again, this is something I think we knew at the origin point. Uh, Benjamin Rush had referenced some things. He was a, a physician to George Washington, signer of the Declaration of Independence as well. Yeah. So that's one significant area, although not the only one, where we've fallen down on the high ideals of our founders. Well, you know, there's a, I, I, I was, you know, at a point in my life when I was searching for God and I had that walk myself, everybody's different in this space, but I had a birth of a child and I, I just, I had a spiritual awakening. And so I visited rabbis, I visited imams, I, a Buddhist Christians. And I, there was this one rabbi I got to know and he told me the most interesting story. He said, you know, son, up until the early 20th century, if you were, if you were a large Catholic family, one son had to be a priest. If you were a large Jewish family, one son had to be a rabbi. And we made sure that that rabbi lived the best. He goes, but Lee, something happened around the 1920s or 30s where we started to exalt our doctors. Oh, my son's a doctor. My son's a doctor. And, and in a sense, that became the highest status in yeah. the Jewish community. He said, but, but remember this line always, when the rabbis became doctors, the Jews got sick. And I, I've stuck with that the rest of my life. So many problems we have are problems of our making. What we put in our bodies, our own nerves and anxieties. Jews believe in repentance, for, for instance. So if you want to have somebody forgive you or you want to forgive somebody, the anxiety, the sleeplessness that you can, that you can endure from bitterness, right? And Dr. Cooper talks a lot about this, about bitterness creating a nightmare. It's creating a lack of sleep. So that means if you can't sleep at night because you're holding on to a grudge or you you are worried about something bad you did a year ago or two years ago, well, you can, at least in the major religions, give that up to repentance, look for forgiveness and go back to peace. And Dr. Cooper said one of the biggest problems in America is simply a lack of a solid eight hours of sleep or seven and what it does to the body, what it does to the heart, what it does to the joints. And, and so that, that great rabbi in, on Eastern Avenue in Brooklyn uh, gave me a line that I'll, I'll never forget. Jews, by the way, when I tell it to them, always laugh, always. This is a challenge. <laughs> you yeah. know, to rise to that um, ancient tradition of what we talk about repentance, which doctors need to do almost more than any, those that had encountered uh, the COVID uh, uh, scamdemic, plandemic, and 
cited on the, uh, you know, on the lockdown, cited on the mandatory injections. You know, those folks have a lot to say, I'm sorry for and may, and mean it. And and those that have, I mean, I've featured them on this show as well, because I don't hold grudges. Uh, you know, genuinely, you come, you come back to, uh, to God in that way and you, you mean it, you can transform your life for good and, and, and for others uh, help them tremendously. So it's a very difficult subject. I I agree, but I appreciate you bringing it up as well. Now, one of the things I want to talk to you about, you have in your, our American stories, you also have a a story here where we talk about the uh, two conservatives that challenged the Davos divas. Uh, We featured that here. And I was most impressed with a guy from Argentina because he brought history real history and real practical knowledge of the isms, particularly collectivism, as it devolves into socialism and communism. And uh, wow, that, I was like, is this really happening? Did somebody do a, a, you know, an artificial intelligence video here that didn't really occur? But it really did happen. I don't know how, but it was amazing. Well, you know, Javier Millier was, uh, was elected in, in Argentina for a simple reason. He was trying to connect the actual past of Argentina back when they had free markets. Back when these ruling elites weren't making all the decisions for the Argentinian people, the markets were making the decisions. And markets are smart. They're not perfect. Markets get things wrong. But giving the governing and ruling elites who aren't accountable for markets, who don't know how markets work, and who are going to make markets work for people, um, ultimately destroy the economy of the Argentinian people. And by the way, these types of people have destroyed economies around the world. So here's Javier Millier being invited to Davos of all places, the headquarters of the governing and ruling elites, by the way, answerable to no one and accountable to no one. And and when they make bad policy decisions, they don't pay. They don't even have to say, I'm sorry. They don't have anybody to say, I'm sorry too, because they're too busy gathering with themselves and applauding themselves and patting themselves on the back. But there was a reason why the the World Economic Forum invited Javier Millier and the president of the Heritage Foundation. It's because these the people in the respective Western countries who've been ruled by these ruling elites, who experienced COVID in ways they didn't choose, are are being pushed into uh, ways of life that they don't necessarily agree with, who think having more children is good, who want to drive and afford one F-150, who who don't want to be pushed into uh, living in cities and 15 minute within 15 minute walks. Who were making these decisions to to drive electric vehicles? Why aren't the markets deciding what kind of cars we drive? Well, what's happening is in England, in Europe, in America, the people who are being ruled, that is ordinary Americans, are, are getting their voice back. COVID, I think, had a lot to do with it. But I think even before COVID, you know, when you have a guy come down from the mountaintop and say, we're going to drive electric cars by by 2040, the American people are sitting and looking at the head of the EPA and saying, who made you the king of cars? Who made you the king of cars, right? How dare you issue an edict like that? It feels like an edict. And meanwhile, the car companies are scrambling to respond because the US government has made this a mandate through one of their agencies which no one in that agency is 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 elected. The the twenty thousand or so bureaucrats in the EPA. By the way, they're not all bad people, and there's a function to be served. But they should be reporting to the people's branch, the Congress, and we should get to vote 
on whether there should be a mandate. By the way, if the American people got together and 51% of us said, we're going to drive electric cars, well, that's a democracy. And we have to live with that. And for people who disagree, we've got to get people into office and win. But yeah, that's yeah. not what's happening here, right? No, it's um, not. But and that's, I think, what happened with COVID. These were edicts. No one, no one asked us for our opinion. We didn't get to vote. Thank goodness some states, mm -hmm. like, like Florida, did a very different thing than New York did. And New York did a very different thing than Georgia did. Yeah, I did, but that's the that's the federalism, that's the states, uh, the 10th Amendment, other things like that. But yep. recognize the danger of democracy. Uh, you know, we talk about two sheeps and a, and a wolf voting on what to have for dinner or no, two wolves and a sheep typically. And, and for me as a homeopath, it'd be two oncologists and a homeopath voting on how to treat cancer. Democracy is not a good form of government. It's a dangerous form of government of mob rule. And our founders explicitly said, we, you know, this is not a form of government that we are or want to be. doesn't mean there aren't voting and there's not democratic principles, but the idea that we're a democracy and that 51% could vote out the 49% who want to drive internal combustion engines, you know, that then we'd have, again, we see how the 10th Amendment works in the states that go, uh-uh, not here. That's not working. And the pushback is on because of COVID. I agree. That's the wake-up call for a lot of folks. But I'm still shocked that that Argentina guy and the Heritage guy were able to speak there and they weren't thrown out immediately or their microphones cut off. Well, they had to be allowed to speak because these voices are rising up everywhere. At a certain point, you have to acknowledge them. You know, it started with Jamie Dimon earlier in the week. When he started to talk about these things, you know, these people have customers, right? I mean, in the end, Davos might not have customers, but governors who go there, heads of companies who go there and are now facing DEI pushback, they're mm -hmm. facing ESG pushback. I mean, I'm sitting there as an investor in my pension going, who gave BlackRock the authority to play politics with my money? It's my money and I want a return on investment but this guy has decided that he's going to tell oil companies how to behave themselves or he's not going to invest my money in a high performing oil company. That's not his call. If you want to join a, a sustainable fund, go ahead and join a sustainable fund. But don't take my money when I'm looking to maximize my returns. By the way, I think a great company that does good things is doing all kinds of good things in their community. They're employing people. They're paying taxes. They're providing a good service that people are voluntarily taking. By the way, Javier Millier was explaining how capital markets work to the Davos crowd. Right. It was wonderful. Oh, beautiful to see. Absolutely beautiful to see. Now, the question of the impact, I, I don't know. We we do know if you read their writings, uh, it, it's not even hidden. You know, the nefarious plots and schemes are not hidden necessarily. If you did your homework like others have that have been called conspiracy theorists, uh, you realize that their desire is to subjugate the entire planet and the people to a communist form of collectivist control, regionalized government or, or global war, one world government. It's not uh, a theory. That's actually what they'd like to do. So the fact that there are other voices coming in going, whoa, oh, not so fast. I'm encouraged by it. But then again, uh, I don't think that they're going to give up on their desires. It seems to be embedded into their DNA for generations. No, it's what they do, right? And, and look, look, we we face this with Russia in the in the 20th century. We face this with the Nazis for a, a short time. Um, but by the way, go back to Genghis Khan. Go back to the Roman Empire. There's always a group of people trying to impose their ways on other people, and and it's everywhere. And and so what I do love about America, and I think our saving grace, is this thing called federalism. Is this thing called separation of powers? And all the action right now is happening in the states 
And it's happening in a way I've never seen before, thanks to a Supreme Court that really respects federalism. It's going to defer. You may be pro-life, you may be pro-choice, but give it to this Supreme Court. It said, this is not our job. Exactly. This is the state's job. Let the people duke it out. And the people of California are different than the people from Alabama. And That's the people awesome. from Alabama are different than the people from Maine. And live and let live. Let the people decide in their respective states, municipalities, exactly. counties, cities. This is what is beautiful about America. It's the division of all of this power between and amongst the federal federal government, but most importantly, how it's spread throughout the country. One quick fact that you'll find interesting. In New York in 1960, that state had 45 electoral votes and Florida had nine. In the year 2024, New York's down to 25. Florida is approaching 40. Hmm. So this means the people have voted with their feet, right? And that means that the, the, the allocation of congressional members in Florida has exponentially exploded while New York's has shrunk. This is the truly saving grace of the United States of America is this breakup of federal power. And we get to see, let's see, how did COVID restrictions and lockdowns work in California? Did hmm. more people die or did more people live? What happened to the economies? of Georgia and Florida? What happened to the death count? What happened to the educational lives of all those kids? And how many young people were forced to take vaccines in one state as opposed to another? And the most important question, where do people wanna live or choose mm -hmm. to live? I believe a lot of people are making different decisions about where to live simply mm -hmm. on what happened because of COVID. Yes, hey Lee, according to my wife, you're my 1,900th guest since I started this show in 1999. And I only count each guest once, even if you're on multiple times. And, and you are certainly welcome here anytime, Lee. I enjoy having, uh, you know, the interaction I have with you and your knowledge of history and the ability to engage is is so important. And the fact that you're doing the Our American Stories. I wish everybody would plug into that history that you're bringing out. How do people plug into it? Do they just go to that? Uh, I think we have it. Uh, it said iHeartRadio, I think, or iHeart.com. Is there another place they should know about? Yeah, we have premier networks. We're on the radio everywhere. And uh, and you can get, get the podcast anywhere you get podcasts podcasts at iHeart or at, at Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, it's Our American Stories. That, you know, it's fascinating about the year 1900. There's certainly a lot of things you could pick out in any given year, but they were dedicating uh, a memorial in Washington, D.C. in the year 1900. I believe President Grant was in attendance, if I'm not mistaken, and it was uh, to a physician from Germany by the name of Samuel Hahnemann, the only physician so honored with a memorial in, in our nation's capital. And he was a homeopathic doctor. He was the guy that developed homeopathy in Germany. I'm like that. I never knew that growing up. Just these kind of crazy things in history. You go back and go, what, how did they not, we didn't learn any of that. You know, going to civil war museums in Georgia, where I spent 30 years growing up, uh, latter parts well, of my childhood, but homeopathic remedies, all the, all the, the, the soldiers had it, it didn't exist going back to our initial you know discussion today about history erasing history rewriting history controlling the future by controlling the past this is something that is still going on today and as we're rewriting our own history hopefully with the integrity of digging deep and finding out what actually happened as opposed to what they don't want us to know happened we can maybe preclude the descent into the 
collectivism that has risen its ugly head as young people are taught in government indoctrination centers that America is just a slave state and there's nothing about freedom that is warranted. We should be a communist country. I mean, this is the kind of craziness through race baiting and racism that they want to institutionalize through various names now. Well, what I love about doing this right is, look, it, it's not that America is a perfect country. It isn't even that the capital markets get it right all the time because they don't. And periodically over time, progressives have had a few good ideas. Um, you know, the, the right to vote for women, that was more of a progressive idea. Um, and the conservatives of the day were trying to stop that. Slavery, probably not a good idea. Segregation, a really bad idea. But the fact of the matter is we've transcended these things. Are we are we fought battles over these things, but all the good that America's done, all the remarkable freedoms, 60 minutes just this Sunday was showing illegal Chinese illegals coming through a tunnel in San Diego. The correspondent asked them, and they were these were middle class Chinese, and they asked them, Why are you coming? And to a T, every one of them said, You don't know how hard it is to live in China. We're coming for freedom. Hmm. That hasn't changed. And that will always be the American advantage. That's why they're trying so hard not to teach proper American history, because it's always been the battle over freedom versus tyranny. Always. Well, and it used to be that people wanted to come here because they uh, really there was an ideal that was drawing them in. As we talked about, not everybody around the world appreciates freedom, nor do every Americans identify the same definition for freedom. Interestingly enough. But the people that may be coming in our southern border in particular, that seems to be wide open may be coming to do us harm. And I'm saying that in a very subtle way because it seems obvious that there are folks here that are not interested in contributing to a better America as far as its rooted foundations and freedom, but do something else, something nefarious perhaps. And that's something, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we'll get we'll ever get control of it or if we're going to have to deal with the disasters that are ensuing as these people rise up and do some things that are really un-American. Well, you know, we've we've done many stories on immigrant spurts, immigrant stoppages. You know, during the Great Depression, we tried to stop immigration entirely. We had 25% unemployment. But, you know, only 20 years before, New York City wanted to build subway system. And in came hundreds of thousands of Irish. And they came because they were coal miners. They were comfortable digging tunnels. You see, the thing about immigration is there's nothing wrong with immigration. Our country was built on immigrants. But we get to choose who comes why they come, and by the way, they have to take a citizenship test. They have to take an oath of allegiance. My grandparents on both sides were immigrants from Italy and from Lebanon. But let me tell you, they'd see an American flag, they'd cry. God bless America was both sides of the family's favorite song. They came here to work. They came here to contribute. They came here to love their country. And by the way, an Italian and an, and a Lebanese intermarried and only in America do we live in love like this. So what I what I always hope to portray is that America is a land of immigrants. I think most of the com- people even coming in illegally don't have bad intentions, but the thing they're doing wrong, they're coming illegally. And right. that means you're starting your introduction with your new country by breaking its law. Not a good way to say hello. Lee, now with that background, uh, you say Italy and Lebanon. What do you put on your falafel? I'm confused. <laughs> Just we load it up with pepperoni and pasta. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great combination. How amazing is that? Well, again, you're. Uh, just, uh, uh, well, delightful to have on, quite honestly. I just love your, your engagement, your uh, passion with all of this, and um, your willingness to call out that what you see based on historical context. And we need more of that, really do. And I hope everybody tunes into Our American Stories 
which they can hear on radio, various different things that you've covered. Kind of reminds me again, our, our background in radio, how much I appreciated things that Paul Harvey did with the rest of the story. Really, the medium of radio is phenomenal. We've obviously started there. Now we're video as well, uh, but we'll always have a, a you know a strong affinity for that. And it's kind of fun to reminisce a little bit with you before we got on the air, much less on the air with Super Don and our, our talk radio network days. Yeah, back in the day. I love just going back in the day, especially as I get older. I enjoy those things. And, you know, part of the thing we try to inspire in people is for families to tell their own stories. Ask your grandfather about his life. Who were the first people in your family who came to the country and why? We want folks to own their own stories, too. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you're right. That was something I had early on. I remember always asking my, my, particularly my grandparents when they were alive about what it was like, what was life like? I really wanted to know when, you know, uh, that happened. And uh, so many of us have just kind of look at the elders in America, particularly a young country, and we don't appreciate them like some other cultures. And I, I wish we would then communicate as to, you know, tell me about your experience, grandpa, grandma, much less mom and dad. Of course, moms and dads are like me now growing up in the 70s and the 80s. And what a transition time that was. But we were one of the last generations that didn't have these handheld things in our faces all of the time. Yeah, we actually went out to play and came home after dark when you heard, you know, mom yelling or a dinner bell. Hey, look, those are the good old days. And I'm telling you, I think you'll see in the next decade, you're going to see more families re-engaging with nature, re-engaging with healthier, better foods. Um, look, we do these things until we don't, right? And I, I think everyone's going to realize what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And they're going to realize that by losing their health and losing their minds, loneliness is the big problem in America now. It's a health hazard. So the things we, we, we would never thought about 40 years ago, lonely as a kid, you were always out with groups of kids right. playing. And now kids are experiencing loneliness. Well, that's going to end. It has to. Yeah, we got to get back out and communicate with one another, teach one another, learn from one another. And how many times do we have friends that we disagreed with, but we were still best friends? Exactly. For life. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think that's the most important thing of them all. I don't care how you vote and I don't care what church you go to or if you don't go to a church. I love you anyway. Let's disagree about some things. Let's agree on other things. And let's not attack each other for a point of view. It's it, it's actually un-American. We were never like this. And at least not in my adult life. No, we've I had never remembered anything like this. Yeah, we've been manipulated. And you know, you, there's always going to be differences of opinion and perspective. And even interpretations of history might be different as well. But to engage in a spirited discussion or even an argument is not, uh, you know, born of hatred. I think right. that, that hatred is is manipulated into being by people who want to deceive and control us. And uh, I'd like to see that we grow up again and be mature about these differences and distinctions rather than look at them as reasons to destroy. Well, that's why we love telling the stories every night. Because in the end, it brings people together. And and we're just, we never do politics. We never do the news. We never do current events. And opinions just aren't allowed. We just tell the stories. That, that's right. it. Stories and only stories every day. Lee Habib, OurAmericanStories.com. Y'all check it out. I think you'll be uh, not only entertained, but educated and informed. And I think that's the the art form of of talk radio. It, it should be bringing all of those things to the, to the uh, fore. And I think, uh, Lee, you're doing a great job at it. Well, thank you both. Appreciate you, Lee. Anytime. Let, let us know. We'd love to have you back on. You better. Thanks, guys. All right. That was fun. Lee Habib on the Robert Scott Bell Show. First time guest number 1,900. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, that, you, we, sometimes we like to plan ahead for like special numbers like that. It just kind of happened. Lee was that. That's kind of. We're talking about it last week. It's like, who's going to be our 1,900th guest? 
Ta-da! Yeah. He's that guy. Yeah. How cool that worked out that way, right? Yeah, and think about that thematically. When we go to 2000, do we get to like somebody that brings up that that uh, talk radio reminiscence? <laughs> you know, that's fun for us. You know as what? Well. I, I yeah. think we should we should hold it out for Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, number two thousand. We should get Ted Nugent on from now. number two thousand. I think Nuge, we could do. We I, could do it. I I know Shemaine, so well, I know I, want, I can make it happen. If he needs to be that special, he can wait to two thousand. But I'd I'd have him on at nineteen oh one or you know whatever. But yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I think I think that's yeah. a great plan. Actually, I think I think you that's do? a great plan. Yeah, How why not? Mean? Why not? In fact, I'll even talk to Shemaine about. It. I'll say, look. Okay, We'd we want him to be our two thousandth guest, so it'll be a little while, but yeah, it won't be yet. long at this rate. It won't be that long. Yeah, Kevin's just, just throwing guests our way. I mean, he's just amazing associate producer of the Robert Scott Bell Show, Kevin Tuttle, doing incredible work out of Israel. There, amazing stuff, amazing stuff. So let's see what else we got. Any comments, questions in the chat room? Anything going on on uh, Rumble today? Rumble's uh, all see. clear at the moment. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uncle Ted, Thomas says, yes, for Uncle Ted. See, there's one yeah. vote there. Right. Or Shemaine. We've had, actually, Diana, we've had Shemaine on the show. Yeah, we've had Shemaine as well. It yeah. was a little while ago, and then I ended up working with her off and on. But Yeah. Dude, well, you um, end up working with so many. I mean, when they find out about you, like, how do you do what you do, RSB? I'm like, I point to Super Don. I'm like, hey, can I work with him too? <laughs> it's like, not fair. Ironically, I just got a message this morning. There's somebody else that that uh, might be looking for somebody. I got, you know, the thing is, I've got to be, mm-hmm. I've got to be really choosy. I yeah. do um, because I only have so much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the longest time, what I, you know, the goal that I've set for myself mm-hmm. is I want to arrange my life in such a way that I can like stop working at like 6 p.m. Oh my gosh. Would that be amazing? And be done. And so that's my goal. That's the goal that I've set for myself. It's very difficult when everybody keeps going, Hey, you want to help? Okay. You know? And so I've got like, you know, this, this is my main, my main squeeze. Right. You know? (laughs) And then I've got all these other things, you know, around here and stuff like that. So I'm up till like 1130 at night, you know, and it's very good. It sucks. But at the (laughs) same time, I'm getting to work with some really cool people. Yeah, so it, you, your fingerprints are on a lot of amazing, uh, let's say, shows, presentations, etc. And I hope they acknowledge you uh, as much as you deserve to be acknowledged in, in all that you do, Sibri. I know that we you praise Lee Habib, but uh, you know, I, I got, I got. Uh, well, you know, your capacity. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due, and I understand what you. And I appreciate it. I do. Yeah. I really do appreciate it, but. You know, when you look at, uh, I mean, Laura Ingram, she was, what was she? She had 300 affiliates. I've actually, hold on. Yeah, she made it into what, top five or something? I mean, it wasn't easy to climb the charts, man. There was a lot of talent in the days of Rush Limbaugh and others uh, that were climbing the charts at Talk Radio Network and, and also just the general talkers where they rated or ranked everybody, that kind of thing. I don't know what year this was, but yeah, she was, um, this doesn't have her, oh, fifth. She was the fifth largest syndicated show in the country. Yeah, top five. So I yeah. can show you this is this is from back in the day when I was working at the network. Yeah, I worked on all four of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Savage was the third. Rusty uh, Humphreys. It doesn't say on his. Jerry was the eighth largest in the country. Mm-hmm. So I think at the time, and it just—I don't think it ever changed. You had Rush Limbaugh was one. Yeah, he was number one for ever. Yeah, I don't think anybody so, unseated him. But Lee, yeah, he was co-founder of, of the Laura Ingram show. And mm-hmm. 
it was yeah he was huge or she was he was huge Look at she was Holden. huge he says that's awesome super d my goal is to only work from 7 a.m to 9 p.m if i can ever get it to 6 p.m i will be very proud of myself yeah well Damn. those of us who have a passion and a commitment and a mission we tend to overwork ourselves and forget certain things but you know, one of the biggest things that you did, and for those of you who are new to the show, Super Don's been my producer since we were back in talk radio. And uh, your decision, you know, for your New Year's resolution with your wife was to choose better quality, healthier food, organic quality food. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing when you recognize the the value or the benefit that pays you back. I think a thousand fold over the money that you, you know, when you weigh out one piece of this and one piece of that, you're like, oh, that's way more. But again, long term versus short term. Right. Uh, you begin to see that and go, oh, yeah, it's worthwhile investment. So uh, I'm grateful for that as well. And, and it tastes really good, too. Yeah. And oh, deliciousness. You know, that's what I've said about like the, the greatest chefs in the world. They'll often choose organic. They're not necessarily health food oriented, but they realize the food tastes better that way as well. If you're into flavor, natural that comes in through the food. That's one of the things too. If you're a foodie, the quality of food matters because the taste is going to be a lot different. Uh, that's a good point. So speaking of food and food quality, uh, there's an article here. I think, is this one, the one out of Hawaii? Uh, about glyphosate? Yes. Pay yes. close attention to what science says about glyphosate. Uh, see, it's the active ingredient in Roundup like herbicides. Will Hawaii again lead on food safety? I, you know, I don't know because they have been so heavily sprayed. In fact, Hawaii has become a testing ground for a lot of genetically engineered uh, crops. And so, Which is a crime, really, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been to Hawaii, have you been to Hawaii? I have, uh, I think, two times. Yeah, I went uh, yeah. when I was a kid, you know, yeah. and when you... You go to you go to Hawaii. I mean, that's just like uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, yeah. the the plant it's been a long time growth yeah. and the and the, the the food and you know, I mean, it's just the whole the whole island is like unless you know, except for the tourist traps. Uh, you know, basically the whole island is like a just a it's just alive, right? Yeah. Um, and for them to test this stuff in a place like Hawaii, why don't you go do it? And you know. It's, you know, I mean, do some some giant field somewhere in the middle of the country where nobody's around or something like that. Why would you pick Hawaii? Yeah, that just seems. I mean, especially bad. Well, and to, the, to the, do it to the, a place like that. The irony, of course, is that they're you know careful about things you bring onto the island, but at the same time, there's been so much money thrown at people in government that they've sold out. I believe the islands and the people to the likes of Syngenta. Monsanto, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not unique to Hawaii, although, as you point out, has pristine and beautiful and volcanic of origin that is, uh, you know, just why would you do that there? But we're doing it everywhere. And I know it's winter time right now, but think about the spring. The first thing people are going to be gearing up to do is spray their lawns with things that kill dandelion, this beautiful plant that is so medicinal and supportive of your detoxification functions, liver, kidney, et cetera. And, and so we have a mindset in the West that led to even people of Hawaii, although I think some were strong armed or others were bought out, you know, the same way it always plays politically uh, to sell out their own people in their own islands. So it's a sad state. I don't know. Are they actually uh, talking about banning glyphosate there or is this a pipe dream by this guy that's writing this article? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, they say Hawaii was the first state to ban chloropyrifos yeah. for agriculture. So they have a history of doing that. But again, with so much glyphosate and Roundup there, I'm like, is it too late? I, I would say, no, anytime you can do it, now is the time to start. 
Hawaii apparently, according to this here, is is considering legislation to ban the uh, that that insecticide. Um, and well, I think what he's suggesting here is that they need to do the same thing with the Roundup. Yeah, I will. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not so much into banning, but when you have something so devastating uh, to the environment, uh, to human and animal life and, and everything, insect life, etc., why would you uh, allow yeah. that? And the other thing that he brings up here is, and we covered this, I think it was the last week, about mm -hmm. the AAP uh, came out with that report, that paper talking about GMOs mm -hmm. and glyphosate. And so he, he references that in here and, and, and points out how it was just, you know, within minutes probably of that paper coming out, suddenly there was like, oh, all the, 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 you know, the, the protest yeah. Uh, against that from the same voices that uh, were uh, against the banning, the, the banning of this chloropyphos yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, it's a problem. But again, I, I, I really, it, it distresses me that they yeah. would pick an island, you know, a place like Hawaii yeah. where, you know, from what I remember when I was, I was a kid, but I mean, it was just everything was green and growing, and and it was just uh, it was just amazing to see. Uh, yeah, it's spectacular. Then, oh well, let's spray this with the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about see. just leave it alone? Let I, it be what it's supposed to be. Going back into this weekend, Super D, uh, I met Howard, and I can't recall his last name. I apologize, Howard. You are an amazing guy. He has his own uh, farm, sustainably raised uh, animals as well, and. Um, he was the guy that helped to develop this contact organic stuff. Remember we talked about that? Oh, yeah. They have the next generation got EPA approval that doesn't require the mixing, which is, you know, inconvenient, not easy for people to do. And uh, I, I've got to get him on the show to talk about that. That was a really cool thing because that's the alternative, if you will, if people are needing Roundup-like response but want to use, uh, you know, something they spray on it that doesn't destroy the environment. That's really it. Also, uh, a shout out to uh, uh, Carl Heinrich. Remember Carl Five? Yes. And like I said, he gave me this awesome dragonfly hat. Oh, look at that! I brought back, and that was fun to have him on because you knew you knew him because he asked a lot of great questions over this. He, yeah, he's here. been a very long time listener and and emails from time to time, and you know it was just Carl Five. That was another thing that was great about the weekend meeting folks like that that you'd never met in person, right. uh, and then meeting new people like uh, uh, who did we have on? Was it? Uh, Dawn, it was it Amy on Sunday's show. We just mm -hmm. played it yesterday. Yep, and she's from Perk. That's the protection of the educational rights of kids. And what I expect, you know, I didn't know what to expect because when I started that interview, I thought, yeah, I'll get five minutes of intrigue and interest. And it's like it just kept going. It was awesome, and it, we went with full a full Sunday conversation uh, with her. And then I've got just so you know, <clears throat> I've got. Two incredible interviews in the can from that event. James Lyons-Weiler, Dr. Jack with IPAC, and Judy Mikovits, who everybody knows, Dr. Judy Mikovits. I'm just throwing this out there, Super Don. I, we haven't talked about it. I know we got to take a break in a moment, and we're going to go into some holistic and biological dentistry as well. Um, if I have interviews like this, I don't want to wait until Sunday conversations, but I want to make it special for those that are supporting us like their Patreons of the, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah. Is it possible we can release them to the Patreons first and then air them, you know, in the sequential Sundays for everyone yeah. else? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm not I'll, trying to I'll be elitist, on... but I'm, I'm trying to find a way that 
They're a great conversation. I don't want them to wait. And for those well, of you that listen, are I mean, it, on Patreon, you know, yeah. when, when people are, you know, become a member on Patreon, they get access to our monthly uh, AMAs that we do once a month. Yeah. They've got access to all the previous AMAs that we've done. They've got access to the uh, homeopathic hits and the detox dialogue segments that I upload there. Uh, There's so got, much you're getting, y'all, for yeah. as little as $4.99 a month, and it helps us so much. Uh, so please consider that, become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're now so going to throw some I think, more at you. Yeah. I think that's a good idea, so I'll work okay. on that this afternoon. Okay. Also, I met Erin Phillips, who's a homeopath on a podcast ho host. I'll be on her show. I'll get her on a mine uh, on this one. Uh, the homeopathy is on the rise, dude. Natural medicine's coming back, and the kind of stuff they tried to erase, it didn't work. It's coming back. I'm so excited about that. And I met, remember we've worked with Ari and Yoni Witten? Mm -hmm. Met their cousin, Hesu, or Hesu, H-E-S-U, <laughs> who's a doctor. Another Witten? I know. How many are there? It's very cool. So there's so many cool people that we met at this this past weekend, and I hope that you'll plan to be at some of the other upcoming events at robertscatbell.com, uh, upcoming events tab. You can learn about them there. And uh, we'll come back with more powerful healing, including, uh, oh, those forever chemicals, EPA. Are they going to do anything about it? Or are we, are we going to do something about it? Also, homeopathic hit coming from the ocean. Some of the biggest things that swim in the ocean, the remedy today comes from one of them. We're going to talk about that and biological, uh, non-toxic, no mercury dentistry with Dr. Ingo Mann. He's joining us for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. He'll be guest one number of 1,901. How cool is that? We're, rock, we're rocking the health world with more and more folks every day. So thanks for being here. And uh, shout out, uh, if you will, by sharing the show. I thank you for that. And we'll be back after this with more powerful healing because the power to heal is yours. All right, hour two commences. Now, this hour, we're going to do some uh, biological dentistry, uh, non-toxic, non-mercury, of course. I've I've spoken at the IAOMT conference a couple of times over the years and been there, and I'm always intrigued by those who are stepping out of mercury uh, forms of uh, or toxic dentistry that uh, don't really connect the mouth with anything, it's just the mouth, it's just the teeth. Who cares what you put in there or what you pull out and how you do it? So that's coming up. Dr. Ingo Mon is scheduled to join us this hour. First time on the show. That is coming up. Also just coming off of the uh, Autism Health uh, Summit. Tracy did a great job uh, hosting us there in San Antonio and um, just great reunions. Great. Met so many new people. Some that knew about this show for many years, others that were new to it. And, you know, there's there, there, still I, I can't always say it. I kind of joke about being the best kept secret in health talk media. It's in certain segments of, of, of life. It is. And others, just, you know, you find out you're, you're sort of well known. And I don't do this for fame or fortune. Uh, this is the, you know, the mission that I've found in my life that fulfills me, that makes me the happiest just about is that I get to bring the power to heal back where it belongs. With each and every one of you, that was my discovery on this journey, that it was, that it is. And I love reminding folks of that truth, that those facts, and then how to tap into it. Now, the journey may be a little different for each of us, but that's okay. That's what it's designed to be. And, you know, to cover the various topics that we cover, mostly health-related, but uh, there's a lot of things that are fundamentally freedom-related. And we've talked about, the, you know, the issue of, of health freedom or the lack thereof. And... 
we can't assume that health freedom is understood to mean the same thing. It, you know, one one family member to another, much less one country to another, or even within our own country or in the various different states. You know, fundamentally, I believe it's about uh, bodily autonomy, the the uh, acknowledgement that, you know, if you if you own anything, you own your own body, even though technically it's a, kind of a rental. <laughs> you know, while you're here, it's what you inhabit and that you exist far beyond it. And when it expires, you'll, you'll still move on and live on. But the body that we have here, it's precious. It's a gift. It's an incredible gift. And the choices we make either to uh, up, uplift and nourish it or denigrate and degenerate and destroy it, they're ours to make. But as we talk about some of these global topics like glyphosate exposure everywhere, and I realize that I can't stop all exposure to glyphosate as organic as I try to be in my life and my diet, there are things that I can't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's everywhere. So strategically choosing things to help counteract that, like the dimethylglycine, the DMG, enter DMG by Nutritional Frontiers. Great strategy. Lozenges are liquid. You, you're going to be exposed. Why not counteract it and, and do great things despite all of the obstacles? So many people give up because they say, it's just all too hard, Robert. There's just too much that's gone wrong. And uh, even if I do go organic, I'm still exposed. So why should I bother? Well, I think the point is, as I've learned, every step in that, what I consider a right direction in terms of cleaning up what goes into your body or, and, or eliminating that, which doesn't belong in your body, like mercury, for instance, that it pays you back a thousandfold that you can withstand and you can adapt to things in ways that you didn't think were possible. In fact, I'm astonished every day that almost any of us are alive considering what we're exposed to on a daily basis. And that doesn't even go into the wrong beliefs, the emotions, the, you know, the, the mental thought forms that are, again, very denigrating and enslaving. They capture us with, with negative, you know, uh, self-deprecating and not in a funny way kind of thing, uh, uh, belief systems where we subject ourselves to negative self-talk all of the time. And that ends up bringing up the destruction of the immune system. We've talked about that on this show, you know, the, the, in fact, Ann Archer Butcher, who will, I think will be on again this week, who is uh, my, one of my dearest of friends, like an adopted mom to me as well, talked about the diagnosis for Alden's cancer, you know, four years ago, stage four, like, I, I, you know, cancer right around the parotid, you know, where he used to hold those giant cell phones, brick cell phones up. And, you know, when he was given the diagnosis and how serious it was, uh, his wife, Ann said, don't even talk to Alden, don't say this to him. He doesn't need to hear any of it. And they went embarked on a journey of supporting the body by giving the body what it needed, helping the body to eliminate what it didn't, and then work with the bioenergetic and energetic vibrational types of medicines that are out there, including homeopathy. But we talked about the Monocore uh, USA.com website. And so many of you were intrigued by that. Uh, we're going to talk more about that as another method to get us out of this mess. And I encourage the thought forms because it's it's an investment in ter terms of what, you know, the average folks out there might be able to quote unquote afford. And I don't like to get into discussions of what you can afford or not, but recognize that if you can just step out of your own way and say, I don't know how, but I really want or need it, let's find a way. And I say, how about cooperatively working with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community, and get something like that to make available for the whole community and how that would eliminate that unaffordability for some of you to believe it. Oh my gosh, we can do this. I'm just saying that's just one idea among many. So we'll talk more about that with Anne uh, this week as we bring the power to heal back to you where it belongs. Uh, EPA proposing that former channel, oh, I'm sorry, former, I can't read my own writing, chicken scratch. No wonder 
Some people call me doctor. I don't need the name, a title. I don't. <laughs> Forever chemicals be considered ha hazardous. This is an article uh, in, uh, of all places, NPR. But it says the Environmental Protection Agency is proposing that nine PFASs, you know, the forever chemicals, be categorized as hazardous uh, to human health. They signed a proposal Wednesday that would deem the chemicals hazardous constituents under the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act. And so they have to acknowledge that it causes cancer, it's toxic, genetic mutations, et cetera, in order for it to get there. But, you know, as much as I'm like, OK, this is maybe a step in the right direction. How long is the EPA? turned a blind eye to the science and the evidence that has shown the devastating impact on human and animal life from, from before they're even born that they now come to it. And it's like, I'm not going to over overly praise them if they get this one, right. The idea is to recognize that the localist of local levels, if you are polluted upon by someone else, whether it be a company or any, that you would have a recourse whether it be through the courts or other, otherwise, whether it be criminal or, or civil, that because you own your own, this comes back to private property. I talked about the ultimate private property is your ownership of self, the body. And that the moment that that is polluted and you didn't, you know, you didn't like, I didn't want to drink that. I didn't want to breathe that, that you would have a cause of action to say, you know what, let's, let's cut this stuff out. And, and if I can bring it back home to a neighbor, right, they have, you know, a toxic dump in their own backyard and they're dumping it over to you, there's no way to escape it. You would have a cause of action to say, hey, there's pollution now. It's not contained and constrained there. It's impacting my health, my life, et cetera. But for too long, government agencies have denied the ability of you to have private property rights to sue on the basis of a violation of those property rights. And that, as Ron Paul used to say, was more profound and powerful in protecting the environment than all the environmental legislation at the World Health Organization level down to the FDA EPA level are, because these are captured agencies. When you centralize the bureaucracies and the power structure, the regulation that is made favors the multinational, multi-billion dollar companies that can afford to meet the regulations or massage their way through and around them by paying off or bribing or just owning and controlling the agencies. That's how the game is played. So when my friends on the left, if you can call it that anymore, I don't know, that are environmentally conscious and, and aware, and they say we need to strengthen the EPA, they know not what they ask. Or if they did, then they're asking for more destruction of the environment, not a better environment. Because, again, those agencies are, are game. The system is game by those that can afford to game that system. And then the people who would innovate, who would be responsive at the local level, to pollution or not pollution are they're ba bankrupted out of the system because of the monopoly that has then established to pollute by those that could afford to capture the agencies like EPA. So again, it's a good news, bad news, sort of, I don't know what to make of it news that the EPA is now going, maybe the PFAS stuff we should pay attention to and do something about too little, too late, in my opinion. And we need to go back to private property rights at the localist of local levels. And in that way, we can protect and salvage the environment much more efficiently than any globalist communist organization or bureaucratic oligarchical organization like the EPA could ever do. And who else understands that? Jonathan E. Mord, running for the U.S. Senate. And we'll have him on on Thursday, get an update from the campaign trail to get him into the U.S. Senate to replace Tim King, someone uh, who wouldn't know the Constitution if it well, I won't go into that for the moment. So with that, Super Don, any other questions, comments before we bring on our, our two guests, number 1,901? 
Um, <clears throat> just I'll just add one thing here to this sure. opening story. Um, PFAs kind of falls into the same morbid category as what I've been <laughs> learning about recently with the plastics and the nanoplastics and stuff right. like that. It kind of it gets uh, it, it's I mean it's related. And, yeah. you know, with the PFAs, this is something that was invented back in the 40s. And it's another one of those things where the, the miracle of invention, technology and advancement mm. and progression, uh, we're just surrounded by it. And it's just, it's literally impossible to get away from. You know, the, the one that, that most people think about is the nonstick pans, which those are right. easy to get around, right? You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, no nonsense, no Teflon and all that stuff, but, yeah. but it's everywhere else. You know, mm -hmm. if you own a raincoat, yeah, you're exposed to PFAs. Yeah, a lot of times. If you have stain resistant carpet, mm -hmm. uh, PFAs. Some you know, memory uh, foam, makeup, a lot of foam products. Yeah. Did you know? And one of the things actually interesting with the guests that we've got on this hour, mm -hmm. uh, you ever seen that dental floss where they they uh, they uh, advertise it, it as being the glide and slide? Right. So what yes. got right PFAs? Yeah, exactly. you know, and it's everywhere, and especially in food packaging. Mm -hmm. Food packaging is a big one. Um, and people don't, yeah. people don't realize it. You know, anything that, that is like a food packaging that is, is advertised as it's a uh, stain or uh, grease resistant, mm -hmm. you know, and all that kind of stuff. PFAs, um, yeah. forever so, chemicals. Y'all want to unload detox, that? Yeah. Detoxification. Well, we if, continue with the detox dialogues here once a week. I think at this point, uh, the homeopathic hits coming up also Trinity school of natural health. There are people from all professions coming in and lay people as well, learning about body, mind, and spirit, healing opportunities and options, including learning about detox, which they do at Trinity. So y'all check out trinityschool.org. The next round of classes, I think, start out today or tomorrow. So it's, uh, you know, get on it. If not, get ready for March starts. But we'll talk about that also with the uh, Trinity Health Freedom Expo coming up, the virtual expo starting 17th and 18th of this month. 35 bucks give you access, three months of access to the, everything that goes on there and the new stuff we're doing via the Whova app on the 17th and 18th, including another health freedom panel with Jonathan E. Moore, Diane Miller, and more. So y'all check that out. Now, detoxification, fundamental to our normal, everyday bodily function, especially when you sleep. Your liver kicks into gear. You do a little bit more focus on gathering the things that have accumulated during the day. But what if they're accumulating over a lifetime or lifetimes, like mercury exposure, some of that might have come in through dentistry from the, doc, the doctors of, of dentistry that didn't know better, that were programmed to believe, ah, oh, mercury, once you combine it in this way, it's an amalgam and it doesn't bother you at all. It's an absurdist statement. It can't be validated by science. It's quite the opposite is. Uh, also, you know, a lot of things that they utilize can be harmful. And the dentists that know, know the relationship between the mouth and the whole body, whole body dentistry. I remember having Dr. Mark Briner on years ago. He wrote a book called Whole Body Dentistry and many other great dentists that we featured that talk about this, the danger of fluoride, the danger of mercury and more. This may be one of those guys out of Phoenix, Arizona, joining us for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Let's welcome Dr. Ingo Mann. Dr. Mann, welcome. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to have you on board. And, you, you know, the pictures of, of your team there smiling and happy, it means you're not intoxicated with mercury or if you're having to deal with removing mercury you're probably doing it in a very safe way i see you're a member of the iomt as well i am i've been a member for about 20 years um and you know i think the statement that got me was show me the signs and you know in, in dentistry we kind of do things because they've always been done a certain way and 
I always wanted to fuck. I, I just always wanted to get at the truth. Were you ever uh, coming out of dental school unaware or were you pretty much uh, aware of the danger of the second most toxic metal known to man, a.k.a. mercury, and it didn't belong in the mouth of anybody? Or did you have to kind of unlearn that and relearn what you know? I had no clue about anything when I got out of dental school. Uh, you know, like you were saying, they, that's exactly what they told us. They said, well, you know, it's got mercury, but it's going to mix and it's going to be this safe metal that doesn't release any mercury. And you're right, we can now use that Jerome Mercury vapor tester and show very easily. There's actually a great video called Smoking Tooth that uh, Dr. David Kennedy did. Um, mm -hmm. And he dips a 25-year-old amalgam into some hot liquid. You can see the mercury vapor coming off this, this old 25-year-old filling. Yeah. Yeah. And we've showed that we've had David Kennedy on over the years as well. Many of the, the great folks in the history of uh, what we'd call biological non-toxic dentistry, those have been whistleblowers and others have been featured on the, you know, over the 25 years I've been on the air. So I'm grateful that we have you now as well and more dentists waking up and doing the right thing, correcting what, what has gone wrong and perhaps not ever starting down that road with younger people that they would never be subjected to these fluoride and, and, and mercury type uh, uh, treatments or other things. Well, I think fortunately the amalgams are falling out of favor. You know, number one, because people people don't want this black thing in their tooth. I mean, the, you know, I don't even know why we had this argument for this long. They make the teeth weaker. They look ugly. They're toxic. And why do we spend 50 years arguing about whether or not to put these in someone's mouth is kind of beyond me. It really is amazing. When you step back, you go, wow, that was an absurd thing to do and, and a dangerously absurd thing to do. I, you know, I've had uh, people that I've consulted or consulted with me as a homeopath to deal with their, their mercury burdens. And it's a wide variety of manifestations of mercury toxicity. Some could be paralyzed in a wheelchair with MS diagnoses, remove their amalgams, and they walk the next day. And others, yeah. it's more subtle, but there's a wide variety of metal toxicity associated with mercury and other things like that that can manifest in a myriad of ways. It's not just a one-size-fits-all. That's probably why they had plausible deniability to say, well, not everybody seems to be sick with these things, so <laughs> nobody is. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough to study with Hal Huggins, who is kind of like the father of this, they call it the last amalgam war. And, it, you know, when I first heard about some of the things he was doing, it didn't really make sense to me that you could take amalgams out on someone and they would literally walk right away because obviously once you have mercury toxicity, it takes a while to get that out of your body. But I started learning even about some of the electrical reactions in the galvanic currents. And, you know, everybody's system is different. And when, when you have these electrical currents that are microamperage and they're, you know, this far from your brain that's running on nanoamps, it's, it's going to affect different people differently. So when you get these things out, it can have some huge, really quick benefits, as well as the long-term detoxifying benefits. Yeah. How did you situate yourself in Phoenix? Were you always there? Because I got great friends in Phoenix, Scottsdale, that are very holistically inclined. It's like, uh, I don't know how you survived the summers, but let's put that aside and go, is there just a holistic draw to that area? No, I, you know, I actually went to, I graduated from Marquette in Milwaukee, and practiced there for 30 years. I came down here to retire, uh, realized I didn't talk, like talking to, to dentists overall because they, were, they didn't want to unlearn the things that we had learned in dental school. And so I decided to open this little retirement practice while we very rapidly grew and I just moved here to North Scottsdale. Uh, the video that on my website is actually our old address way up on Carefree Highway. And we just moved down here uh, 
right near Scottsdale Road in the 101 uh, just last fall. Okay, and by the way, the, the website that I have listed here is mynaturaldentist.com, yep. mynaturaldentist.com. And uh, again, you have you moved locations, so please reach out. Is the phone number the same, the 602 number yep. I see here? Yeah. Everything is the same. I just haven't updated some of the, the video yet. We've got the video, but I have to, we have to turn it into a, <laughs> into a video to use on the website. So you, so. you found out your ideas of retirement uh, were not the ideas that you're, you're living today because obviously there are a lot of people in need there. Well, you know, I, I'm very passionate about what I do, and I've kind of actually pivoted. Um, I always like to get to the root cause of the problem. Uh, I'm always, I'm, you know, I always ask why. And so about 10 years ago, I was at a conference, and I heard this guy talking about how he helped his daughter by helping her with her breathing and airway. And I spent probably six, seven years going to all these conferences. And it wasn't until I read James Nestor's book, Breath. And I was so upset when I read that book. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just read a book written by a journalist and I learned more about airway and breathing than I have in seven years of, of going to all these institutes. But everything's a Band-Aid. You know, the, from, from the CPAP to the, the, those devices that pull your jaw forward, they're all just band-aids and you know the medical and dental profession have no solution for and i won't call them sleep apnea patients because it's really not sleep apnea until you get kind of to the end of the spectrum and so they basically go well we have no fix for you so just come back when you're in really bad shape and we'll we'll slap a cpap on you yeah so go, like covid when they said well we're not treating you now come back when you're on death's door and then we'll kill you Why, that's my joke it's like yeah. when you got one foot in the grave and one on the banana peel then we have a solution then yeah me. come on in we'll patch you up with mercury and and suck you mm-hmm. know the fluoride in oh out of here and put it into you so um the community of dentists i know it's a great community iomt and there's some other holistic dental profession groups as well that are doing good work uh how has it been? As you pointed out, you didn't like what was going on in the Phoenix area. And you said, I got to come out of retirement because they're not doing it. I need to do it right. Uh, how has the tra- has the transition been on? Because I've seen evidence of an awakening, a consciousness shift in various things. And as you point out, the mercury amalgams are kind of falling by the wayside, not because of national, international legislation necessarily, but because people are going, you know, I don't want that. And you know, right. it's kind of how we've defeated a lot of GMO stuff. Jeffrey Smith says, you know what? We, we don't seem to be winning at the governmental level, but if we can get to the people and they go, we don't want that, then the change is going to be on. Yeah. No, it's definitely very consumer driven. And now with the internet, I mean, I started this back in probably around 2001 and it was really hard for people to get information back then. And fortunately the IOMT was around to help, you know, educate me, help educate patients and people were finding me. I was practicing in Wisconsin and I had people driving in from Iowa and Minnesota. I'm like, how far did you drive to come see me? But, you know, there, there's been a demand for it for a long time. People just haven't been able to get the information. And fortunately now it's obviously much more accessible and mainstream. Yeah. So do you have any young dentists coming up that you're training in this in a practical manner or you're, you're still on your own hanging in there and retirement's far off? Well, no, I, we, we started, you know, there were a couple, there were a couple more established holistic dentists here in Phoenix and they both kind of retired. And so, you know, we're getting 80, 90, hundred new patients a month without even advertising that, I mean, it shows just how much demand there is for this. So when we moved from that practice up in North Phoenix down here, 
we literally tripled in size. And I do have three young associate doctors that are, um, two of them are doing more of the restorative work. Once I got into treating patients for airway and their sleep disorder breathing, I also very quickly realized that these people have been suffering with, with this since childhood. This is not something that just pops up when you're 50 years old. So one of my doctors does a program called Healthy Start, where we where we basically fix the muscles and 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 everything on children so that they don't get to the point where they need orthodontics because we're actually by retraining the muscles we're creating the real estate we're we're, mm-hmm. we're creating the proper conditions for their airway to develop and this way we can we can kind of prevent them from having all of these issues down the road. Well, that's great. By the way, uh, let's see, Diane. Oh, somebody put that up there. She says, uh, Diana, I've been looking for a holistic dentist in Phoenix, and here you are. Just called to get in. So I <laughs> <laughs> hope you have room for uh, Diana to come see you. Well, you know, and that's that's why I have the doctors, because uh, that's what happens with these holistic dentists in certain areas. You talk to them, and they're like, I'm, bo- I'm booked out six or nine months for new patients. Right. I go, you know, I, I come from a family of German engineers, so I, I try to be very efficient with things. And and I just put myself in their position, like when you read about this and you learn about it, like I want to get this done yesterday. And then to be told it's going to be six months before you right. can you know, get an exam. Uh, I didn't want to tell people that. All right. So they can get in. Diana, looks like you can get in. Uh, here's another message from my friend Leslie in Missouri. I still have amalgam to be removed. Uh, but I haven't found a dentist that I trust enough not to make me toxic. And I'm trying to get the insurance to cover a portion. It's a pain. Yeah, that's an interesting dilemma, too, because the insurance industry is very reluctant to pay for anything, especially that which they claim is not an issue, which we know it is. So how would you navigate that? How would you talk about patients that are not, you know, they don't, they're very not trust trusting of the, the dental profession, understandably so. Well, I think as dentists or holistic dentists, we're in a very fortunate position in that the procedures we do when you put them on an insurance form look exactly like what the guy down the street would put on the insurance form. So you can uh, literally replace an existing filling after about one year, it's going to be covered by insurance again. A crown is usually around five. So when we submit that, if a patient does have insurance and we submit that, it doesn't put in all of the other protocols that we have in place. There's something called the SMART protocol, the safe mercury amalgam removal technique. So all of our doctors are trained in that. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't address the fact that we're using these materials from Germany that are biocompatible. So on an insurance form, it just looks like, hey, we did this filling and they're going to cover it pretty much like a conventional dentist. And, you know, of course, MDs, when they're doing procedures, they're doing chelation and this and that, and insurance companies look at it and go, yeah, that's, that's not even on our radar. But for dentistry, we, we, we are able to put these things on insurance forms and get, get good coverage for people. All right. Dr. Ingo Vaughn is my guest this hour, and he has a practice in Phoenix area, Scottsdale area, mynaturaldentist.com. And, you know, I've found over the years, you know, I haven't had insurance in decades, but I found that negotiating uh, prices in cash or or many dentist, dental offices that are holistically inclined like yours have a setup that's like non-insurance and it's like even memberships that are, make it the cost much less, much more reasonable. And you can, you're like, whoa, I could actually afford to do some of these things. So is that something you've engaged in in, in changing the way you interact with the public that is non-insured? 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. Because I, I think that's what happens is people, you know, our patients are really well educated and informed. So they've already done their research. They already know what they want. So when they come to see us, it's almost like, hey, I'm here. I know what I want. I'm just here to see if I like you guys and see if you're going to be the ones doing it for me. And so we're doing these comprehensive treatment plans that sometimes can be a little bit more costly because we're not just fixing you know, one tooth here or there. And so we've always had a lot of tools in place to help people work this into their budget. We do you know, no interest financing. You know, we, do, we try to keep our fees very, very reasonable. One of the things I've always been into, I've always been into uh, high tech, like CAD CAM dentistry. So we're using this, it's called a Seric machine out of Germany, originally was made by Siemens, where you scan a tooth, you literally design it, and in a matter of five, six minutes, you have this crown in your hand or this inlay or onlay, and wow. you put it in and you're done. So what normally would take two or three visits, you know, we knock it out like in, in a, people are just shocked at how quickly. That is fascinating. Yeah. It's like so a lot of it has to do with efficiency. That's. You know, you're really paying a lot for the, 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 the time that the dentist spends with you. So if we can be efficient there, you can really keep fees at a very reasonable level. So is this like 3D printing technology? You know, it, it's actually almost the opposite. So what we do is we start with a block of this ceramic that we get. Again, it's a German company and we put it in the machine and there's these two little burrs and they just like start sculpting this, this crown out of a solid block. According to what you've uh you've scanned in their tooth so the tooth you replace is identical in terms of the shape exactly so you scan the tooth you design it you design on the computer the crown and then it, you put the block in the machine and it just starts you know grinding away and six seven minutes later out comes this crown that you would normally normally they would put a temporary on you know they'd send you on your way and then you got to live with the stupid temporary for two weeks Usually they fall off, they're sensitive, you know, and then you got to go through the whole process of getting numbed up again. So this way it's just all done in one visit. So in Amazing. an hour, hour and a half, we can sometimes do a whole side of the mouth. Wow. Don says, I have an inlay where there used to be a root canal. They did it in one day. Amazing. So yeah, there yeah. are advancements for those of you that are scared to go to the dentist, AKA Super Don, which I know one day. <laughs> Um, the, you know, the, the, there have been amazing advancements, I have to say that, especially when you're working with guys like yourself that are holistically inclined. Now, going back to the question of trust, who do you, how do you find, right? Maybe somebody's not in the Phoenix area, but they want to find someone that, you know, maybe qualified for them. Uh, and if they're members of the American Dental Association, I wouldn't rely on that because the ADA is not going to promote any of the dentists that are openly biological and non-toxic. Is, is that the Amalgam Dispensing Association? I think that's what it was really meant to be called. But yeah. So uh, in addition to IOMT, do you have any other suggestions for people to do research to find a dentist that may be qualified to help them holistically in their area? You know, that probably is your best resource. Um, the, the good news is our membership has been growing uh, tremendously. I'm actually lucky enough to serve on the board of the IOMT, and I'm also the uh, chairman of the Ozone Committee. Uh, and so it's been fun to watch our organization grow from almost like this fringe type organization uh, to the number, I think we're probably at 11, 1200 members now. Um, and it's kind of funny years ago when I, you know, you run into classmates and you tell them, well, yeah, I'm a holistic dentist. And they would kind of pat you on the shoulder and be like, yeah, that's nice and walk away. Right. Now it's, it's really interesting when I tell people that I'm, you know, a biological holistic dentist, 
don't I say that to other dentists, I actually find them to be very interested and, and actually ask engaging questions. So it's, it's, there's definitely more awareness, but I think if you really want to find someone, because sometimes people will call themselves mercury free because they're not placing amalgams. Right. It may not but be the same thing you want, really. It's, yeah. And it's really that removal process. So we started differentiating between mercury free and mercury safe. So mercury safe means you're, you're being protected from exposure to mercury throughout the entire process. So the IOMT has a great, they have a great, if you go on the website, they have a drop down under patients and there's actually a, a directory and you can put in your zip code and you can find, you know, a dentist that's relatively close to you. Excellent. Now I've always found, you know, dentistry is rather interesting because I almost think, and I'm not accusing you of this, but you have to be somewhat sadistic because it's like, oh, you know, in the history of dentistry, it was a man deliverer of intense pain, even though people are coming in with intense pain and they're willing to go through it. But obviously there have been things to reduce that. Well, but, and, yeah, I know people ask me a question all the time because I was actually scared. To, I grew up in Germany and some of those old German dentists, I mean, I'm telling you, it was, it was not, it's, it's amazing that I would ever decide to go into dentistry, but I think it also, when I graduated, made me much more aware of what people are going through. And I always spend a lot of time you know, making people as comfortable as possible. And there's some really cool techniques that you can do to give shots that are almost completely painless. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really how I built my practice was with, with painless shots. People come in, I give them a shot, they're like, man, I didn't feel that. And so that's an amazing practice builder because word of that spreads very oh, yeah. quick. Like, okay, I, that, I can handle that, right? That's good. Yeah. Uh, another thing, the delivery of or the payment for karmic debts. I know this is not a subject you probably talk about, but I want to bring this up for everybody in the audience because I've had you know experiences with uh, you know certain dentists, holistic, that have been just terrific. And someone else will go to that same dentist and it's the most horrific thing they've ever had happen. And I, and I say this because there's a, some kind of thing that's beyond explanation other than, Hey, I don't know what the relationship was there, but it wasn't the same for me. Uh, and I would say, pray on it and get guidance to it for the, you know, whoever you need to go to get some of the, the more intense kind of care, obviously just from a standard dental cleaning thing, not a big deal, but there's a lot of things that are gone on and have gone wrong, including the root canals, replacing them because leaving a dead necrotic, you know, piece of tissue in the body has never been a good idea yet. That's been a mainstay as well of a lot of dentistry. Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, that's actually a really interesting topic. And that's always been one of the most you know, difficult things because I've been a long time, you know, I follow Weston A. Price, you know, read, read all his books. Um, and, and sometimes as dentists, we get put into very difficult situations where if you lose a certain tooth, you're going to turn this patient literally like into a dental cripple. Maybe they, you know, they can't afford or are candidates for implants. Now you pull a tooth, they can't have, maybe it supports a bridge or, or a partial. Now they can't eat or smile. So you're always weighing that um, and we, you know, the last thing we want to do is leave an infected root canal tooth in there. There are fortunately, recently there have been some really cool techniques. There's one called the gentle wave technique that uh, uses lasers and photoacoustic shock waves to clean out that whole root canal system. And when you do that with ozonated water, you can actually 
Um, and then you also don't have to use the, the filling material like the gutta percha, which is a latex base and has cadmium in it. So is it ideal? No, but you know, sometimes we're weighing the pros and cons and, and we, we really just look at every patient on an individual basis because even Weston A. Price didn't say every root canal is bad. Uh, so we try to absolutely minimize it, but we also have some tools where in those cases where you're like, man, this is, this is going to be the only option that we make that uh, you know, as little of an impact sure. on their health as possible. Well, and, and I've talked about this with the, the late, great Dr. Nick Gonzalez about these dental issues. And, you know, he was a physician that was curing or helping patients overcome pancreatic cancer with no chemo, radiation or surgery. And, you know, he said about the mercury amalgam issues, some of his patients were so weak that to go to the replacement, uh, uh, you know, procedures would be devastating to their health. And so, you know, as much as he would say, I'd rather have it not be there, they're not strong enough to withstand even some of those experiences. So you have to, again, respond individually to each patient and apply it appropriately uh, whenever you can. Uh, I just think the idea of, uh, you know, going in and destroying the root and, you know, the, the lifeblood, the life connection to that that tooth, it's not a good thing to leave in there normally. Uh, yeah. But you're dealing with people obviously coming years later, seeing what can you do, doc, what can you do to help? Well, and we, you know, the, the good news is we have so many years ago, we didn't have a lot of good replacement options when we pull some of these root canal teeth. I mean, titanium implants have their, you know, have their issues. The, the partials were like a, a nickel chrome type material. Even the bridges had a lot of nickel in them. You know, now we've got, we're placing zirconia implants. We're doing, we have these partials that are, uh, have a very low level of toxicity we can do all ceramic bridges. So we have a lot of really good tools to replace missing teeth now. And even the, the general dental profession is much more, more likely to pull a, a root canal tooth now and use one of these other methods to replace it. Because I think they're starting to see that it's, you know, it's not, it's not the best procedure for the patient. Right. Have you de dealt with a lot of dental cavitations? And if so, what have you done to remedy them? So, you know, the dental cavitation is always, when I, when I first started just being, just talking about mercury put a gigantic bullseye on your back. And so there were, there were always, fortunately in the areas that I've practiced, there were always practitioners that, um, that were treating cavitation. So I always had a place that I could refer them to. Uh, same thing out here in Phoenix, a, a dear friend of mine was been, has been, a you know, long time, probably one of the top cavitation specialists in the country. And, and so I've been able to work with him, but it's definitely something we look at, address. And if it's an issue, you know, we, we help facilitate the patient getting that treated. In addition to, uh, you know, oxidative therapies like ozone, um, you know, I've lectured at, at IOMT, talked about the utilization of the ion state of silver and copper now. Uh, for uh, recovery, reduction of inflammation, and regeneration, have you been able to integrate some of these things in your practice as well? Well, yeah, we're we're a huge believer, and I think uh, I think it was actually you know I think you probably know Seth Kinto from. Uh, oh yeah, Seth, I was there with him in uh, New Orleans a couple of years ago at that conference, and well, and I well, actually the first time we met, he he had just introduced me to Jack Wolfson. And who got me, who told me about Jonathan Emord. And uh, the first time we met was literally a mile down the road from my office here at that Sante when we did that. That's uh, right. 
that fundraiser for Jonathan. So that's right. Yeah. So now it all comes back around how the community is small of those that really are connected to do the right thing. And I appreciate that very much. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love his stuff. I had some first time in my life, I had some medical issues. I ruptured my Achilles tendon and Seth was nice enough to, he, you know, to send me a whole bunch of his copper and silver and, and I'll tell you what, that stuff worked amazing. I mean, I did some other things, but that was a big part of my protocol sure. for healing. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant, beautiful thing when you begin to integrate with the uh, you know the what we call the allopathic traditional uh, interventions and begin to utilize and integrate things more holistic and and uh, supportive of recovery and not destruction, including those things that have antimicrobial properties that could preclude the use or at the very least reduce the use or reliance on antimicrobial drugs that eventually you know run out of steam as 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 uh, resistance rises against them, uh, mm -hmm. and and as you begin to gain confidence and see what it can do, it's pretty amazing how you can reduce the uh, reliance on some of those dangerous chemicals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're also big believers, you know, we use a lot of oxygen and ozone therapies. I love the chlorine dioxide too. Wow. I don't know, you know about that. That's yeah. actually part of my protocol now for, I have a lot of patients that kind of you know, regret doing the vaccine. So that's part of a protocol that we do here with natokinase and serapeptase and curcumin and bromelain with the chlorine dioxide to, uh, so there's all kinds, there's all kinds of cool stuff out there. We could probably, Excellent. probably talk to you for days and days here. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. I'm, I'm again, geeking out. Sorry, y'all, but, uh, it's just what, what happens occasionally when I talk to folks. Uh, so, so do you have any upcoming events or speaking engagements or the next IOMT conference? Uh, you know, I do lecture at the IOMT that, you know, one of the things that we do, when we have our meetings, they're usually Friday, Saturday. On Thursday, we have what, what we call the fundamentals course. So it's something where the, the doctors that are newer to the organization uh, spend the day and then they get like an hour on fluoride. You know, guys like Dave Kennedy, uh, Val Kander, uh, you know, all, some really interesting people each speak for an hour on uh, one subject. And I actually speak on, on implants there, but. I don't have anything for the public right now. Right now, I'm uh, kind of, I'm actually focusing more on teaching dentists. I just founded a little institute for teaching the treating the root cause of airway issues because it's such, it's so fundamental to our health. Um, getting a you know restorative sleep and and like we said in the beginning, everything is so band aid and uh, it, it's really something that's needed. So right now, I've been spending more time focusing on educating dentists in our profession to do things more, you know, treat them. Oh, I, I greatly appreciate that you're taking the time to do that because we don't have enough dentists any more than we have enough homeopaths doing the right kind of work here uh, to help. And by the way, with um, abscess, tooth abscess, one remedy, if I didn't tell you when I talked to you before, Hepar sulfur calcarium, the remedy for tooth abscess. And uh, you can use it as an adjunct, whether you do antibiotics or silver recombination. The homeopathic remedy is Hepar sulfur calcarium. It's not a sulfa drug, so it won't trigger those that have sulfa drug allergies. Mm -hmm. So I just got to leave that with you as an adjunct to everything else. Good, great work that you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Ingo Mon, pleasure to reconnect with you. And I appreciate your support also of Jonathan E. Mord. And uh, we want to see him in the U.S. Senate even in in Arizona, it will benefit all of us, wherever you are. Not well, just you know what? Arizona. I mean, when I heard about what he was doing, I'm like, you know, it's one thing to sit around and complain about things, but, I, you know, it's like you got to put your money where your mouth is. And and I was very, you know, fortunately meeting him, 
I was just blown away. I mean, he's, he's an amazing guy and I, I wish we had like a thousand more like him. Yeah. Diana says, woohoo got in tomorrow. Can't get any faster than that. <laughs> so say hello to Diana from us here on the Robert Scott Bell show. Cause you'll see her before I do. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad we're able to get in. I mean, like I said, that's our goal is we always keep slots open. We want to get people in. We know once people learn about this, they're like, man, yeah, this, you, the cool thing is a lot of our patients already have that philosophy. So when we get in there and clean up their mouths and get them breathing better, they just respond beautifully because they've already done so many things. And this is kind of one of those barriers that not a lot of people are aware of. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, I look forward to seeing you next time in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. Hopefully maybe we can do another big event for Jonathan E. Ward with uh, uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson and others. Also, uh, I love uh, connecting with my friend who uh, is the the chef at uh, the Giving Tree. I don't know if you've eaten there yet. That organic. I'm not a vegan, but boy, when I go there, I don't miss the meat. He's so creative. No seed oils, no nothing. It's all pure food. The Giving Tree in Phoenix is an amazing place. To, and you could probably speak there as a biological holistic dentist because he does host events all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? That's when I first moved down here. That's kind of how I grew my practice. I did go to like the natural grocers and, and all these different places. So I do enjoy, I enjoy giving the talks. I enjoy meeting people and, uh, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely open to doing that. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Ingoman, great to have you on the show. I can't believe it's taken this long to get you on after we connected. And uh, happy that we got one of the Robert Scott Bell Show family joining you in your practice uh, to get some help. So that's going to be great. All right. Great. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks for being on board. We'll take care and we'll see you at another event or on the show again. Guess All right. What? I'll be back whenever you have, whenever you'll have me. <laughs> All right, Dr. Ingo Mon. Again, links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, which leads us to our homeopathic hit of the day. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I don't know if Captain Ahab was the first to isolate and find this remedy, uh, but this homeopathic hit goes into the ocean and goes to the whale, the sperm whale specifically, and the remedy is known as Ambra Grisea. Ambra Grisea. And uh, you could, you got to see this, although I need, hold on. As I'm talking to Amber Garcia, for some reason, I need to sneeze. I have no idea if it's related, <laughs> but you see the picture of the whale there uh, from the eructations or excretions, this oily material uh, from the whale. And th this particular form is converted into a homeopathic medicine. Shout out to Trinity School of Natural Health, Foley MPX and Nutritional Frontiers for their support of the homeopathic hit as well. We have a PDF we're going to open up for you, give you a little bit of an overview, brief hit as we call it. Ambra Grisea, the remedy often indicated for nervousness and sleep disturbances, but so much more. And remember, these homeopathic hits are they're not all encompassing. There's just too much to talk about in a five minute segment, but it's used for conditions related to anxiety, sleep disturbances, as I said, and more. We'll go into some of those things. This is derived from the Ambergis or Ambergris. How do you say it? Ambergris produced by the sperm whales. It's used in homeopathy in its highly dilute form and its treatment of uh, nervousness and, and, and particularly in elderly individuals are very sensitive and easily embarrassed. That's an interesting characteristics. As we go into those physical characteristics, uh, you look at this uh, nervousness origin, sleep disturbances, difficulty falling asleep due to an active mind. So, you know, when you start drilling down on remedies, if one doesn't work, it might not be 
the right one for you. It's not going to hurt you, but you might find, hey, this has some other things. It's related to gastrointestinal disorders, linked to nervousness and and, uh, anxiety, uh, embarrassment, social situations, general feeling of nervousness. And I would say, you know, one other thing, if we look here, uh, and I'm getting into the primary uses, Super Don, can you pull up the uh, the link to the uh, Borky page, the Materia Medica? There it is. And you'll see Ambra Grisea is listed in the Borky. Now, there are many Materias Medica, not just the, this one. I find it to be easier than most, but some people will open it up and go, well, that's not easy at all. But if you look at some of the things, it's way more than we can cover. Some, some remedies are a little more simple and focused. Others have a wide variety of things here. And here... Um, you know, in the male part, Super Don, can you read? Voluptuous itching of the scrotum? Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Um, <laughs> parts externally numb, uh, burn internally, violent erections yeah. without voluptuous. Violent. So, yeah. So you look at, uh, you know, a remedy like that, you're like, I hope a lot of people don't have that. Wow. But if that were to ever happen, Ambria, Ambra, Grisea might be the remedy for you. You know, I've experienced some itching uh, mm -hmm. in various places over yeah. my lifetime, but I yeah. can't say I've ever had voluptuous itching. Right. So these are the things that cause huh. people to scratch their head and go, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I've never heard of that. But you know, they they encounter encompass a lot of different uh, symptom pictures, and that's why it's you know the homeopathic hits. You take that as a superficial starting point, and you can go further along the way. So let's go back to the PDF, which is available in the show notes at robertscatbell.com on this uh, fifth day of February. Uh, that is 2024 and later uh, in the area where all of the PDFs are put and as an audio video file for those of you who are patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We go primary uses. Yeah, it's not ex exhaustive, but nervousness, anxiety, uh, symptoms therein. Um, if you're embarrassed, sleep disturbances. How about gastrointestinal disturbances exacerbated by nervousness, such as like IBS or nervous indigestion. And then I added the urinogenital extreme itchiness, right? That's, it could happen. Uh, and I'll get into an adjunct homeopathic remedy for that as well. Uh, so let's scroll down this PDF, continue on here with this homeopathic hit, an unusual remedy not everybody knows about. Even some homeopaths don't use it that much. You can use it in low potencies repetitively, 6X, 10X, 12C, 30C, whatever, and let your symptoms be your guide. If it's not too intense, if it's very intense, deep-seated and chronic, you may go to the higher potencies, but I don't start there normally, and I would urge you to consider consulting with a homeopath that can work with you on these remedies to help you if you're not schooled enough or feel comfortable enough with it. Some complementary remedies to consider include Ignatia, used a lot for emotional disturbances such as grief or anxiety, Nux Vomica, complaints arising from stress and nervousness, especially when it's GI or stomach related, nervousness as well. Uh, so that can help Ambra Grisea's uh, actions. And Miserium, which is the unusual remedy that is for extreme or uncontrollable itchiness, whether it be scrotal or otherwise. Uh, I made Super Don read that, you notice that. Anyway, uh, while Ambra Grisea is generally safe in the homeopathic form, it's advisable to not self-prescribe for serious conditions. And if things are lingering and not clearing up, please consult a homeopath. As we conclude here, this remedy, valuable in certain segments of, of need. Uh, you can dig deeper on it uh, and uh, check it out in the Materia Medica or various Materia Medica. Uh, we talk nervousness, anxiety, sleep, and other things. So if you would, please keep tuning in to the Robert Scott Bell Show for this and other homeopathic hits. Remember, it's not to replace a doctor if you have or want one, but to give you information, education, to make fully informed decisions about the care of your health, the health of your loved ones. And as we wrap up here, a shout out to my friend, Bobri Oren, who's on his way to Israel right now uh, to visit family. And hopefully he can see Kevin Tuttle. I connected them. That would be fun to have a little mini reunion in Israel. Uh, 
Folium products that are helping so many people break through that ceiling in their healing. FoliumPX.com. And he said this week, I think uh, it was another thing. I have an interview with him that I conducted uh, just the other day at the event. And we need to find a way to play it. I don't know if we can play it tomorrow, but he said this week he'd give 15% off all Folium purchases. Mention RSB or the RSB 15 somehow. Reach out to him, email him, and he'll give you 15% off your purchase this week. All right. That's okay. a good deal. With that, I have no agenda for the bonus round, but Super Don, monitor the feed, and we'll see where we go after this, because the power to heal is yours. <laughs> you had to go there at the end, didn't you? You're just waiting for that. You just, like, bait people in with cute and cuddly cows mm. grill time. I had some cow last night. We went did. To the, went to the butcher and got... Uh, Got six pounds of chuck roast. Yeah. And made a beef and barley soup last night. It was. Do they really know you there yet? Or they see you? Hey, Super Don's here. Not yet. Okay. I'm, 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 I've been there twice now. It's a great, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great place. It's all local, local beef and other meat products. Yeah. So I had that for breakfast this morning. I can't help it. <clears throat> You know, we do, um, like, we go to the butcher and get the grass-fed stuff, of course, and um, even the liver, things that most people don't like, but we'll uh, um, chop it up in small pieces and put it in the freeze dryer, and that's how we make the cat food. Then we sprinkle it with the uh, missing link that we get from uh, Jonathan at ChooseToBeHealthy.com. Right. Uh, And, you know, that gives a really comprehensive, what we call, species-appropriate diet for cats to do that. And... Um, you know, there's some other creative ways to do it. And we've actually saved a ton of money over, you know, that kind of quality buying it already froze, freeze dried, which we were doing. It's like now we're like spending a 10th of the amount that we were spending before. Nice. Yeah. That's a good, uh, that's a good tip. Yeah. Lori said there was an organic grass fed beef fender at the AHS. Yeah, there was. I saw a lot of that, which is cool. A lot of more options that are emerging, uh, as long as the globalists don't get control and tell them everybody you have to eat bugs. Mm-hmm. And speaking of beef, there's a new product that we uh, both you and I have have uh, checked out called Eat, or it's called Pluck. Pluck, yes. And uh, I'm very I'm very impressed with it. And mm-hmm. so we reached out to the uh, the founder of the company, and it was a funny thing because I sent him an email. I was like, Hey, you know, how'd you like to come on? You can talk about you know your, your backstory and why you got into why you created this product. Mm-hmm. Um. And he wrote me back and he said, Hi, Super Don. I'm like, I didn't call you by I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sign it, Super Don, when, when I sent him the email. Yeah. Turns out he's a fan of the show. How cool is that? Yeah. We got to get him I, on the show. I think we've got, no, we've got him booked. I think he's on uh, la, 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 the this 20th. week. Yeah, the 20th. Or no, next week. Next week up. after. Or week, week after. after. Well, good. This month. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's exciting. James, yeah. Block James is cool. Barry. It, you know, they take the, the Redmond Real Salt which is a, a multi-mineral presence. It's not an isolate. And then they add the various organ meats that are kind of dry, desiccated, I think, and just added in, sprinkled in, and doesn't taste gamey. It doesn't make your food taste bad. Tastes like a seasoning. Anything yeah. that you would season, you can utilize. Yeah, it's, all, it's all organic, non-GMO. All clean, grass-fed, yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, Pluck. Do we have a discount code for Pluck? We do. Yeah. Is it already up on the website? It is. Boy, you have all the answers, oh, and they're all good. Just, just, when was the last time you looked at your own website? 
Well, I know that we're working on, or Gij is working on updating it all together. So yes. it'll be a lot easier to navigate folks. It's very exciting. It's, it, it is, even though Gij is incredibly reasonable and in helping us out, he was working on the uh, IRT Institute for Responsible Technology site with uh, Jeffrey Smith. It's still uh, an investment. So again, grateful for any support you, you guys throw our way directly or indirectly. Uh, and seriously, become a a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. So many more bonuses we're throwing at you in a good way. And the next Zoom AMA, I believe we've decided Saturday, the 24th of February. And it'll be noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So it's a daytime, North American daytime. Yes. But even in you know Europe, it's still sort of daytime a little bit uh, for the start of the AMA this month, February. Yep. Uh, I Zoom. So, uh, yeah, 20% off. Uh, What's the code? RSB20? RSB20. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And that Redmond Real Salt's good stuff. I've got some of that showing up today. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to visit the Redmond Salt Mine again, maybe later in the year. I heard from Liana, and she, she does a lot with them. Liana Werner-Gray. Mm -hmm. And that's what we visited last time. You were 500 feet down below the surface of the earth. Yeah. Is, when they I turn remember, off the lights, that. there is no light. It's the quietest, strangest thing. But you're, you're surrounded by salt. And all the walls, the ceiling, everything is salt. It's pretty cool. Unrefined mineral salt. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right. Anything on Rumble or any other uh, networks that carry us? Nope. It says there's 31 people watching, but they're all very quiet. <laughs> Thank you for your live patronage. And for those yes. of you watching or listening later, we appreciate you too. No cheap seats here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. In fact, you know, most people do listen to it later. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to be neglectful of all y'all out there. Uh, we just, of course, we engage in real time and then you guys get it later. So hope you enjoy it. I think you do because you listen and watch and share the show. So thank you for that. And uh, one announcement that I have yes. is if you happen to be a subscriber of the newsletter, I sent a newsletter out today. I've made some changes to it, mm -hmm. a little bit different format, um, and I'll be tweaking it a little bit as we go along here, just trying to, to update it because it's been the same for a really long time. It hasn't been very consistent. I'm, I'm working on that. Mm. But uh, there was a change in our, our, our uh, service uh, that has altered the email address that it comes from. And I noticed that when I sent out the t a test one yesterday, it went immediately into my spam folder. Oh, okay. So if you are a subscriber to the newsletter, please go into your spam folder uh, if you didn't get it today went out this morning and uh, click on it and report it as not being spam. So uh, because otherwise it may end up in your spam folder and then you'll just think you didn't get it. So if, if again, if you have subscribed to the newsletter, please go check out your spam folder. You should find it in there. If you didn't see it in your inbox, make sure that you indicated that it's not spam and that will tell your email uh, provider um, not to put it there anymore. So I just want to make that make that announcement. Very cool. Thank you. I didn't even yep. know that was going on. It doesn't happen to everybody, but yeah. I, I know it happened to me. And okay. so I just wanted to give people a heads up on that. Yeah, I, I didn't get it into the spam, thankfully. But for whatever reason, yeah, some some treat it differently. Yep. I don't know. All right. Uh, let's see what else. That was kind of cool. We had a dental appointment made right on the spot today. And uh, there you go. she got in. Diana got in. That was cool. And it, I had forgotten, as I always do, meeting so many people along the way. And, and of course I'm looking at a little screen of you, you know, much smaller and, and uh, 
uh, to have uh, Dr. Ingo on. I had met him at the fundraiser that Jack Wolfson hosted in Arizona for Jonathan Emort. A uh, great guy, but I enjoyed my conversation with him. And how did, did, did we have a good time? I thought we did with the first hour with uh, Abib. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy and he knows his stuff. Yeah, I didn't have to do much. Occasionally I could break in for a quick word. <laughs> he remind people, hi. Yeah, but you know, he knows talk. He knows how to do that. So yep. that he was does. good. Indeed. Leslie wanted, I think it was, no, it was Dawn that wanted the Hepersol for Calcarium. That's long. Hepersol for short, H-E-P-A-R, Sol, S-U-L. Hepersol for Calcarium or Hepersol is the same remedy. And um, that's the remedy for abscess, boils, uh, you know, kind of pus-like infections, emanations, that kind of thing. Um, Hepersulfur. Okay. I don't know if we've covered. We've covered a bunch of remedies so far. Um, I don't know. I could look real quick if we really yeah, want you to, have a list? really want to know. I do have a list. I have a long list of the ones that we've done mm -hmm. and the ones to come. So let's do a, a, a control F to find, and we'll go. Oh, cool. E par. Let's see what happens. Uh, yes, in fact, in when we first started, mm -hmm. it was our one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh one that we did. Oh, wow. That was early on, huh? That was way early on. My gosh. I don't even know. I'd have to count to see. We just... Uh, we were just not those kids then. We've done four... Let's see. Where we, yeah, we've done four months of uh, of these now. Mm-hmm. So I'll count here while you talk. Okay. Um, Don asks about ear candles. Yeah, you know that in Unlock the Power to Heal was the first book that interviewed a PhD in ear candles, Doc Harmony. And Doc Harmony is going to be one of the speakers at the Next Steps conference. Uh, and her ear candles, the Harmony Cone ear candles, are the ones they use organic cotton and, uh, you know, organic quality wax, not, per, you know, the, the bad stuff, right? So if you're using ear candles, Dawn, I recommend the Harmony Cone ear candles from Doc Harmony. And yes, and she'll be at the Next Steps conference. Dawn, you should come to the Next Steps conference. You got like free tickets on Delta, not nah? can't you? You can do that. Just hop on over. Don't tell me you got to do another polka in Milwaukee. Stop. Enough of that. Come on over. Dance with us in Lake Lanier Islands. There's a lot of fun, fun folks that you, you'd enjoy. And that's the uh, 14th through the 17th of March. 14th through the so 17th. So today was the 89th homeopathic kit that we've done. 89th. 89th. Wow. We're not even close to covering all of them. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Kind of cool. Yeah. So let's look at uh, what's coming up and who's the guests, who, who are the guests this week. Um, All right. Tomorrow, Tom Palladino. Yes. And maybe we'll have a Nutritional Frontiers interview. I don't know. Tom Palladino is going to come on to talk about scalar technology. Oh, cool. We're getting yep. into some energy stuff big time this week because mm -hmm. guess who's coming back Wednesday on the 7th? And Archer. And Archer's coming back, and we'll talk more. You had so many questions about the Monocore product, monocoreusa.com. Mentioned the Robert Scott Bell Show, and many of you did and are getting inquiries. You know, inquiry. Some of you have purchased the machines. I can't wait to hear about it. I'm going to try and get one. I, I don't know what to do, but we're working on it. We're all working on it. I think it's a profound uh, step in the right direction to, you know, when I talk about the power to heal. These things, these technologies are not all bad. Not all bad, in fact. 
let's see. Uh, let's see. Thursday after Jonathan E. Ward, we have Chris Downey from VaxCalc.org. And helping you navigate the AI labyrinth as, as well. You know, it's interesting about the the censorship issue, Super D. Mm-hmm. The, the YouTube thing, for those that still have YouTube accounts, you know, we were banned during COVID, of course. They're all using artificial intelligence, AI technology to basically, they don't have to ban you now. They could basically just make it so no one finds you. You know, even if you had hundreds of thousands of views in a month, suddenly you got one or two and it's all done by AI now, Super D. That's the bad side of it, that they can shut you down and lock you out without officially doing it. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. we don't know why it's happening, but it's all AI. Anything that looks like the algorithm triggers and you're done, even if you still have a YouTube account. Right. I think that's what they do on, you know, Facebook and other places as well. Let's see what else is going on on Friday. We have... Oh, and, oh! Remember, I, t- I mentioned the homeopath Emmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. Or is that is that the same person, or is this a different person? Oh no, this is a different. This that's, is Emmy. That's different. You're, you're yeah, being no, no. interviewed. Yeah, Emmy is a, a doula, if I remember correctly. She's also featured in the new film Protocol Seven by Andy Wakefield. She's very talented, and we were talking and chatting, and she's just a delight. Uh, and she's been on a number of programs as well, uh, um, maybe even Alex Jones' program, talking about you know, the birthing issues and stuff. And she's really cool. So we'll have her on. It looks like Friday. That happened fast. First hour. Yeah. And then we have Heather Berman in the second hour. And then I've got, I think, Dr. Jack, uh, uh, Jack um, James Lyons-Weiler from IPAC. He'll be our next Sunday conversation. But as I said, Super D, and you you agreed to it, thank you, that when I have advanced um Pro uh, recordings. Let me just say this far in advance of when they're airing. I want to make sure that the, those that are really supporting us most directly can access them as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So both Dr. Um, Lyons Weiler and Dr. Judy Mikovits have Sunday conversations coming up. They wouldn't air for a week or two, but if you can make them available to the Patreon audience uh, right away yep. or as soon as I'll possible. I'll try and get at least one of those up today. Okay. Um, and then we'll air them on Sunday for everybody. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. That's amazing. Yep. All right. Let's see. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, call, that's that's all I, I called, got on this end. I called you out on the dentist thing. Did you hear me? I I I was I was off camera. I did I heard you, but I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, it was, you know, or listen, just say super Don. So I didn't, well, hear it, you know, it's about dentistry. Look, many people, you're not alone, super D. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to a dentist for a lot of reasons. And most of them are legit. <laughs> but finding, you know, the right one to do it. And also, again, you know, here I talk about affordability. I mean, you know, it, these things are in major investments, but I, I still, just to let you know, hold out hope that we can find somebody that uh, it would, you know, be open to helping out with anybody that needs that kind of help. We just need more access to the kind that does not damage people, right? genuinely helps people. And I liked having, uh, you know, the dental Dr. Ingo Mon on today. We had a good, lot of good discussion points. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What else? So there was a lot of memories that flooded back. It was very emotional, like reuniting with Talia. Um, again, all those years ago, you know, from Autism One conferences. She's and, cool. And you know, She's that, so amazing. you remember back in yeah. the day. Yeah, um, Mama, remember? Medical she helped, marijuana. She actually, she helped Texas. me out. 
You remember that when uh, when I went out to work with Mike Adams mm-hmm. um, on his project, yeah, with that that radio network thing, yeah. Uh, my wife and I showed up, and we were like, you know, we needed to try and find a place to stay, and she we stayed. And she has a uh, uh, like a condo or something like there in Austin, yeah, that she hooked us up with. Well, we I were forgot about finding that. a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, she had, she's amazing. She's a yeah. superstar. She's one of the warrior moms, thinking mom revolution, everything. And I hadn't seen her in years. And it was because I met her sister and I noticed the name. And I'm like, wait a second. Is your sister Talia? Yeah. Is she here? Yeah. I was like so excited. And then so I met her sister who's who will get on the show probably soon as well. And and uh, their cousin, whatever, dynamic family. And we just had such a, a nice time catching up. It was like, beautiful reunion on so many levels and uh, i was great like nico LaHood. i didn't know I, th- I was thinking about him in san antonio would he be there and he just like uh saturday evening he, i just saw him i was like laser focused on him as i like, got to ke- catch up with him and then took a picture with him and and uh adele big tree together that was a fun little meetup reunion too yeah it looked like you had a good time and Lori harvey thanks for coming Lori. i hope you had a good time i was looking for you Saturday, I could I was going to get you into the whatever the VIP thing was, but I never I never saw you again. And then we headed out back. We found a gastro pub. Can I remember I mentioned this like in Reno, Nevada? There's an organic gastro pub. Mm-hmm. This wasn't uh, advertising itself as an organic gastro pub, but it was basically farm to table. Everything in it. I mean, it was like a full on bar. Everything you know, people drank there, whatever. But it had like grass fed ribeye sa- steak sandwiches. Right, everything was amazing, and so we went there two times in a row, and uh, just had a, a wonderful time. So I went out to eat, and then found out that one of the there were they had entertainer there at the at the uh, conference that evening, yeah. and we bu- bugged out a little bit early. And apparently, he did a Neil Diamond song. I missed it. Everyone was going, Aww. "Oh, you missed it." I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's good that I did because I probably would have jumped on the stage and stole the microphone. So, yeah. so it's good that I wasn't there. You're. Uh... You're 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 known. You have a reputation now. Huh? Apparently, they know about me in that. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. If yep. you guys are done, we'll be done. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for sharing this show, and thank you for uh, guest number nineteen hundred and nineteen oh one. How about that? I think it's way cool that uh, it just happened that way. Yeah, that, that was Lee, fun. Lee Habib ended up being 1900. Yeah. How funny is that? Yeah, we didn't plan on it. It just happened. Nope. So there you go. So now you're going to actually talk to Shemaine about him being 2000. Then we have a lot to look forward to. I, you know, I talk to her off and on. You know, yeah. it just it happens. And so the next time I talk to her, I'll just say, hey, look, by the way, <laughs> um, we're 100 guests away from having our 2000th guest and I'd really like for Ted to be, and I'm sure, I'm sure we can arrange it unless it happened, you know, cause one of those things in order for him to be the guest, yeah, he would have to like, it would have to just work out time-wise. Mm-hmm. If it turns out there's some big Buffalo hunt going on at right. that time, we're screwed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just exactly. not going to happen. So, so. so like put it out to Shemaine this way. We, we would be honored if he'd be number 2000, but we don't want to wait if he, if he's okay with not waiting to be that and we'd have him on anytime. So that's what I'll I say. I mean, what let's 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 just uh speculate here. How many guests per week are we average that are new? You read my mind. Math here now. So like well, let's see, one, two, 
three. I think we've got four people this week. Yeah. Of actually, Lee was five, and Ingomon were six. Yes. Are you talking six new guests in one week? Lee Habib. Yeah. Ingomon. Yeah. Tom Palladino. We've never yeah. had him on. Right. Uh, Chris Downey. Yeah. And whoops, what am I doing here? That'd be five. We had Amy, Amy Bond. Robin. Amy a- Bond. That was on yesterday's show. Emmy, oh, does that start on? I guess it starts on Sunday. Yeah. So Heather Berman, Emmy Robin, that's two. Chris Downey be three. Uh, Tom Palladino be four. Lee Habib uh, five. Ingo Mon six, and then Amy Bond seven on Sunday. So it could be as many as seven a week. Wow. So we're talking what seven times? Uh, we'll just do a hundred divided by seven. How many weeks would that be? hundred divided by seven. What would I that do be? it by five because heck that's 20, uh, five times 20. That's true. 20 yeah. weeks on average. So 20 weeks from now would be what? Somebody figure that out. About five months from now. Okay. Yeah. March, April, May, June, July. So mid July. Yeah. It'd be like a, a patriotic appearance. Then. Oh, that'd be perfect. perfect. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'll let her know probably around somewhere around mid July and, oh. uh, one more thing occurs to me. I've been talking with uh, the Naturally Inspired crew. They're very serious about having me as part of that international health freedom event in Geneva, Switzerland, the end of May, the beginning of June. Okay. And I just connected them with uh, Rob Verkirk and Melanie Aldridge from Alliance for Natural Health in the UK and Europe. And it could be a reunion over there. I could. I, it might actually have. I mean, they're saying when I say that it might, they're like, it will. So I still kind of just like when I was thinking, man, I'm going, I went to Columbia with the kids. I don't know if I can take the kids on this one, but it uh, looks like we might be doing some uh, pro broadcast from Switzerland. What time of the year will this be? End of May, early June. Okay. So is there probably, I don't know how it is in Switzerland. Or is there like skiing year round there or is that? No, like, June is uh, more. So you wouldn't be able to go skiing in Switzerland, which would have been no. cool. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, what else they got? They got chocolate in Switzerland, right? Oh yeah. No, I love Switzerland. One of my favorite countries. Yeah. Uh, and all those years when I was going as a young, young man, teenager to young man, when I would URL, you know, you get a URL pass and you'd go all over Europe. Right. Uh, a lot of places I didn't go, but there are a lot of places I did, including Switzerland, which I've had some of the most glorious adventures in the most beautiful parts of the, the world in Switzerland and Austria as well. It was nice. It was spectacular. But, huh. you know, the, those are the days when you would stay either in a, a youth hostel, you'd be really rough in it, but I, ha- I ended up making so many contacts and friends that I ended up staying in people's homes. You know, we'd sack out and just whatever, and and it was just amazing. You know, just the adventures. Couch surfing. The fr- yeah, the friends that you would make and meet that are friends to this day. In fact, I, I need to put some word out that I might, I might, I keep saying I might, and they say, you will be. So I got to tell them, looks like I'll be there. Are they flying you out there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dude, Better you I, than me. You don't want to go? Well, if I went, I'd have to get a coffee enema. Oh, that's right. Gosh, yeah, that's the deal. <laughs> uh, you remembered it and I forgot. Holy crap. Now I'm going to work on that. <laughs> no, 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 say, no. I can't, I can't go. go unless I can't, I'm sorry. I can't. No, I Dude, can't. That make would it. be worth it. Wouldn't I, it? Everybody, I you want to fund a trip? No. <laughs> At this point, now we've got it. It's on. Go fund Super Don's coffee enema trip. No, to I'm sorry. Can't Thank do you it. for bringing that up. Can't do it. I think that might be the one of the first mm-hmm. only times maybe that you brought it up before I did. Before, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that was really cool. Yeah. 
Let's see. Diana has, let's see, what does it say? Diana has an aunt in Switzerland and in Germany. Went in 2013, went to Oktoberfest, the best time. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not Oktoberfest, you could still experience fun stuff in Germany there. Oktoberfest. The giant Steins be, beer. Be Starts some, in September, actually. Yeah. Some serious beer drinking going on there. Yeah. Drinking in the boot. All right, Don, seeing the Eiger in Switzerland and taking the train up to it. Did you do that, yeah. Don, already? Don, again, because Don is our, our uh, what we call our, our, our she's our flight attendant. The flight attendant. She's right. our flight attendant on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And I know there are others that are too, but. The Eiger. Dawn can probably, you know, hook us up with, the, I don't know, she can't hook us up, but you got to be family, but she can go. So maybe you want to go to yeah. Switzerland too. If you come to the Atlanta event, as well as the Swiss event, that'd be fun. So she did the go to Iger, that. When I hear yeah. Iger, I think the only time I've ever heard of the Iger was the movie. Remember the Iger? It was called the mm -hmm. Iger Sanction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, I think it was based there, though, or at least part of the story yeah. was there. That's an oldie. Of course, the Matterhorn, the actual mountain, all of that stuff. And yep. uh, My favorite was Lucerne because of the lake there back in the day when I was still swimming all the time. And uh, would just that was a beautiful lake in the summer. It was just perfect. And they had this ancient bridge, this wooden bridge that was like from I don't know 500 years ago, and it and it burned down since then. They've had to rebuild a lot of it. But I just remember that as well. I was a big, big extraordinary time, and we had like youth campouts up in the mountains there. We had fresh, organic, raw milk just from the cows, and that was so so amazing. Switzerland, yeah, good good memories of that. All right. Am I forgetting anything else? Because I did forget to say that till now. So we'll get you some information for those of you listening in Europe or those in America, that United States or Canada that want to come on over because it's an international event from the naturally inspired folks. And uh, we'll look forward to, to seeing you at that event too. So the RSB let's show going international again. Let's look at what's happening in the news here. If there's anything good. Oh, yeah. What? Little... <laughs> Little UK update there. Uh, right, I remember used to have that earlier. Um, yeah, when we had our our our, uh, our UK, UK correspondent. correspondent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breaking. Oh, yeah. It was all over the news prior to the show. Apparently, King Charles uh, the Third mm -hmm. uh, has been diagnosed with, and it's funny because they just say a form of cancer. They don't say what. I I haven't seen them. Say, it's that, that's what the headline was: a form of cancer. Well, what kind of cancer do lizard people get? Yeah, well, I didn't he go just recently and have like some kind of like uh, uh, medical procedure or something like that uh, for pro prostate or something? Yeah, I, th I think so. I thought that yeah. was him. Yeah, um, he probably needed the uh, the remedy of the day, Ambra Grisea, for uh, yeah. uncontrollable. So, okay, yes, here it says here, during the king's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted, and subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. So we don't know what kind of cancer, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, but he's All going right. to be uh, <clears throat> postponing any uh, uh, public events. And, um, you know, I mean, we wish him well. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing here is, uh, you know, should the the king um, not do well, I guess that means that Prince Harry's next in line, right? Is that right? I, th I think so. 
You gonna have a Harry King? A Harry King? <laughs> oh, come on now. All right. Uh, we can actually make jokes because UK Health Radio doesn't listen right. to this part. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not on right now. <laughs> they don't get it in the podcast. Hey, did you see the, the atmospheric river flooding Southern California right now? Some oh, man. Images yeah. Coming out? Yeah. Los Angeles, the Bay Area. Yeah, it was like nine inches of rain or something like that. So fortunately, I mean, other than some extended family, which I don't really have a whole lot of contact with, um, you know, my sister moved up just an hour and a half away from me here. So, yeah. we, you know, we no longer have any like real ties to that area. So it waited until everybody left. But yeah, they got hit hard. I guess there's mudslides in Hollywood. And it's wow. Just, yeah, pretty crazy. I'm seeing like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, look, if, I was, if this image is not artificially induced, but real, it is like, it's a lot of rain. The thing is, they, have they ever done anything? You know, the, the, the crony government of California to go, you know what? We have had historically long, decades long droughts. I wonder, maybe we should save some of this water instead of it all rushing out to the ocean. Yeah. Right? That They don't tend to plan that way, considering how environmental earth muffins. No, they'll just you know, take they it are. from somebody else. Yeah. Somewhere else, pipe it down to. Yeah. Imagine what they could do with all that water coming down and save what during the drought, times of drought. Well, you know what I'm waiting for? It's, it's interesting. I don't know anything about the science of this. Mm-hmm. But you know the the Earth is is covered mostly by water. That is true. Yeah, and uh, I've I've just I would assume we've got all this amazing technology and science and all this stuff, and we're like doing all kinds of weird stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Um, how have we not figured out how to turn ocean water into drinkable water? Well, that's called desalination. Desalinization. Uh, yeah, but- desal- yeah, of course we know how to. It's very energy intensive. And that's, you know, makes it cost prohibitive. Although you know, what's, what's probably more energy intensive than that is Bitcoin mining. Have you ever looked at the, at, at, at how much energy that, that takes to mine? Unless you're in Iceland getting the geothermal volcanic energy. Yeah. It's going to be pretty darn. (laughs) Yeah. Energy intensive. So you're saying that's the reason why they don't, they, they say they can't do it. Yeah. I think that's BS. Yeah. Here, I'm here. Where's my tinfoil hat? Okay. okay. Call oh, it no. out. Call I can't it out. find it. I can't find it. But no, that doesn't make any sense to me. When we, when you've got an issue like mm-hmm. a, a lack of water, yeah, uh, it seems to me you know if we're trying to sh- you know put people in space, you know, uh, Elon Musk is putting chips and brains, you know, uh, it seems to me that that would be a worthwhile thing to put a team of people on. And to figure out that point, and we will solve the water problem for every. I mean, the people that are are you know dying of of uh, you know in the, in the desert and all this. I mean, the, instead of shipping them bottled water, you know, yeah. uh, why would that not be something that would be like the top of the list? I mean, talk about like a moonshot situation, man. We right, figured right. out there is no longer a problem with water. What, could it yeah. be that the reason why they haven't done that is the same mm-hmm. reason why they haven't figured out how to do the free energy thing and all that stuff like that? Because water is control. Water is power, right? Mm-hmm. He who holds the water controls the population. Yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, but it just seems to me, come on. I mean, you know, you can take like a Berkey water filter and, you know, put sludge from the from a pond in it and get drinkable water. You're telling me that we can't come up with a technology to take ocean water? And remove the salt from it? 
<laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. That does not seem like it should be that difficult to do. Somebody should be able to figure out how to do that in a, in a way that it could solve the problem for everybody. Right. But, yeah, I mean, do you think I'm, I'm too far off on that? Because I've read things and I've seen things over the years where, you know, there's weird things going on with people buying water rights and, com- and countries and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, well, they're buying Nestle, that stuff up. Nestle bought access to all these water things and they say they can bottle their water and microplastic everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just unusual for you to be putting on a t- quote-unquote tinfoil hat, right, on something. I just, maybe I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm coming with simpleton, you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, or I just I go, how come you, it seems to me like it should not be that difficult to figure out. Mm-hmm. And why is this not something we've got on the top list? Because think of all the, the issues that there are in the world with lack of water, right? Yeah. Uh, if you could perfect that technology, how many lives would that save? Well, you got to assume that the people in charge really want to save those lives. Remember, you know, the stories I've told you about. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, right. Well, remember when we supplied silver hydrosol uh, to those suffering with diarrheal diseases in Haiti after the big earthquake years ago? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the moment Doctors Without Borders got wind of 100% success rate, instead of going, hey, what are they doing? Let's let's do this everywhere. They're like, you better get your ass out of here or else we're, you know, we're going to arrest you. Right. That's the kind of care and concern. And I'm not accusing everybody in Doctors Without Borders of doing that, but the controlling aspects of those organizations and agencies. You got good people trying to do good work, and they're being shut out of doing any actual good work or, or limiting the, the actual good work, which would save lives. So it you know, calls into question those at the highest levels of power structure that direct the energies, the monies, et cetera, to do things or not do things. They'd look at you and go, um, sorry, Super Don, we're going to have to... We're gonna have to deplatform <laughs> you from this planet, and can't talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I look. I think it's. I don't know. That's another one of those things where it gets in my brain, and now I'm like, I got to look into this mm-hmm. because it just to me that that just seems to make it doesn't make sense. Yeah, we there's. I, I just maybe I'm giving scientists too much too much credit. Maybe uh, doing that is something that is really so technologically. Uh, uh, impossible that they just have not figured out how to do it yet. But I just, I just, nah, I just don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm. We should have figured out how to do that by now. And it, it, there's so much water around us, you know? <clears throat> anyway, that's my, my thought. Of the I like the rant today. That was a good one. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's uh, prepare to be back tomorrow, less than 22 hours from now. We went, good, good. Lord, we went two and a half hours. See, this is what happens when we haven't been on together because i've been so busy with you know being on remote last few oh, days look, and the dogs are telling us it's time there you go yeah they are the ones they know exactly when so thank you all for being here once again and uh look forward to seeing you tomorrow god willing less than 22 hours from now see you later